Welcome, friends. Welcome to another episode of the Renegade Joint Investors Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Burgess, professional real estate investor, permaculture and urban farmer, curmudgeon, skeptic, and real estate agent here at Renegade Realty Group, Keller Williams. What is Renegade Detroit Investors? RDI is a local real estate investment and business group that meets monthly. We meet right now in Southfield at Shields. That's on 10 Mile and Telegraph. This is also about the podcast, right? This ain't your grandma's Rhea, folks. No guru bullshit, no smell, stale coffee, been gay, and or disappointment. You know exactly what I'm talking about, those sad little fucking dark rooms. Also, we are this podcast. If this is the first time you're listening to it, go ahead and subscribe. If you want to attend any of the local meetings, go to renegadedetroit.com, meetup.com forward slash investors or facebook.com forward slash Detroit Investment Club. Legal disclaimer. In no way, shape, or form should anything that I or anybody else says today on this podcast be taken as legal and or investment advice. We highly recommend that before you make any investment decision or decisions, you contact a lawyer and or other licensed professionals. Be an adult. Don't fucking sue me or anybody else, you pussies. All right, show quote of the week. Time for the Renegade Detroit Investor Show Quote, where I pick a quote that sets the tone for the podcast and hopefully – your week. And this one I picked from Mr. Dwight D. Eisenhower. In preparing for battle, I've always found that plans are useless, but planning is indispensable. Dwight D. Eisenhower. My first guest, we got three today. We got Brad, personal background. He grew up in Oxford, Michigan, graduated from General Motors Institute, Kettering University in Flint, Michigan in 2000 with a bachelor's degree in mechanical engineering. Married to his uh, beautiful wife, Lindsay. Three kids together. Three, right? Four now. Four. Damn it. God, I missed one. Sorry. Sorry, <laughs> Lindsay. I don't know how. That's amazing. Congratulations. He started engineering career in 2000 and moved up in position and responsibility. And he is now free. All right. He worked his way out of his job. Here's some of his real estate projects. He's done even more since then. But purchased his primary in White Lake in 2008. It's a foreclosure. His first intentional rental was a three-bedroom, two-bath in Waterford in 2011. Then in 2015, he bought his first apartment, and then he bought more units in 2016. And you just closed on how many units a couple of months ago? Uh, 30. No, 30. 30 more units, right? So he's been uh, stacking it deep. His goal last time on the podcast was to retire from his job in two years, and it didn't take him two years. He is here back. And by the way, I have had him on the podcast before. You should definitely go listen to that one before you listen to this because this is one of the few times where I literally documented the before. You had the plan. You laid the plan out, and then it didn't even take you two years. It took like a year and a half, and you got out. So if you want to hear his plan and how he did it, you can literally go back and listen to that. You can reach out to him at his email, Brad. B R A D T A C I A at gmail.com, 248-881-4570. And I got Mr. David Roberts, who fell unwittingly into being a landlord when he bought his new primary home in 2009, realizing that homes were selling for 50% off. This left him underwater on the other house, so it became a rental. While he worked this out, he didn't really catch the real estate bug until late 2014 when he started attending local real estate meetups, and he was hooked. After four years of learning, growing, and doing deals, he quit his 19-year engineering career at the end of 2018. He's a licensed real estate agent, currently owns several, seven single-family homes, 106 self-unit storage complex, and he flips homes. Usually has three to five rehabs going 
at any time. And after quitting, he's already doubled his business in the last six months. He owns Synergy Property Partners, LLC, with his lovely wife. She is the best wife ever. She is. There you go. We got that in there she for you. She wrote it. Tara, congratulations. <laughs> you are the best wife ever, right? Hey, yeah. you just got to write it and say it. Together, they have a 21-year-old son, Alex, who's finishing up his physics degree. Any free time Dave has is spent with his two crazy and adorable rescue dogs. You can reach out to him, David, D-A-V-I-D, at sppartners.org. 734-671-5767. Then we got Mark. We, we, we pulled him out of the ether, finally. <laughs> the self-storage king. Spent 30 years in the plastics industry as an engineer, plant manager, and capital buyer for a large automotive supplier. He started investing in single-family home rentals in 2011 and got into self-storage in 2016. He quit his W-2 job May 2017 to concentrate on real estate investing full time. It's going to be a little harder to reach out to him. You got to reach out to him on Facebook Messenger or at Tom Otterman's meetup every month in the Metro Detroit Real Estate Investors Group. I'll include a link to his Facebook. Welcome, guys. Thanks for coming. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, thanks for, having for having us. All right. So, first of all, all three of you created plans to get the fuck out of your job and do real estate full time. This is something that a lot of people talk about. And very few people actually execute on. So we're going to talk about a lot of things on this podcast. But the theme of this podcast is how you did that, why you did that, how you managed that, and whatever little road we go down on. So the first question I had, and I'm posing it to everyone, because I think it usually begins with a why, right? Something just aggravates the fuck out of you or annoys you or burns you to the point where you finally decide to do something. So what was the why that started you guys moving away from your quote unquote secure job, right? Into real estate investing full time. Anybody who wants to, you could just take a whack at it right off the bat. So uh, my reason is I was just getting tired of dealing with corporate America. You were in corporate America, Brad, right? Yeah. Were you? Yeah. So we were all in corporate America um, about, Five or six years ago, I was getting so sick of it. And then I was saying, man, I don't know if I want to do this another 25 years, you know, and just save. That doesn't seem like you're going to get ahead that far. So uh, that was my main decision for jumping into it. Plus, we had a rental, so it was working out. I don't know what would happen if it wasn't working out, but it was working out. And uh, I was running on a treadmill one day and just had this epiphany. Oh, it's working out. Why don't I see about something else? So I, I think I joined Bigger Pockets. And uh, I just Googled that, and then I got – I found out about a meetup, so I went to a meetup, and yeah, from there I was hooked right away. So, Bigger Pockets, my least favorite website of all time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not going to talk too much shit about it, but it does get a lot of people into it, which mm -hmm. I do like, yeah. right? I'm just not a huge forum guy. Some people love forums. I would rather – hit my foot with a sledgehammer, I think, than read a forum. So, all right. What about you, Mark? What got, what was your big burning? Why? Honestly, I, I watched my dad work until he was 70 years old and spend the next 10 years going to the doctor and then passing away. Never got to do anything. Never got to go out and do, you know, see anything. And I just knew that's not what I wanted to do. And so I started looking for other avenues my wife and I started looking into it and decided this is the route we're going to go. And so off we went. Mm. 
I like that end of life there, right? A lot of people don't think at the end. Some people want to wait till the end, but what if the end's messy? Yeah, I want to get out and I want to travel. And yeah. You guys do a shit ton of traveling, yeah. right? What was your vacation ratio? I remember I saw you. I can't remember what you we quoted. Once every two months, if not more. There you go. Nice. Right. So we got a little lifestyle over here too, right? Definitely real estate, but like, man, I want to die and not do shit. All right. Brad, obviously, besides making beautiful children, <laughs> now that you're up to four. Well, the plan started before them, even. So um, it was the recession that really, you know, people getting laid off in my engineering company left and right, um, realizing that I didn't want my future in the company's hands. <clears throat> the The job started getting less and less fun because uh, they're cutting all these people and then giving me their job. I didn't get cut, but I had two, three more people's jobs to do. So it became less and less fun. I didn't have a plan B, started looking into plan Bs. And uh, like you guys, I didn't want to retire when I'm 60 or 70. So I wanted a plan that was faster than that, faster than that, that I controlled. Got it. Now, when did you guys put this plan into place? Like some people have to work years to do this, but I think in all your cases, from the time you decided to do it till the time you actually did it wasn't that long, maybe a couple of years. How long was it? Oh, from the time that I basically found out about real estate or yeah, from the time you decided to work yourself out of your job till the time you did about how long was yeah, that? It was like six months, six months. Yeah. yeah. Mark. Uh, by the time I quit, it was six years, six years. Yeah. All right. Probably more like 10 for 10. me because uh, it was probably 20 10, 2009, something like that. <clears throat> and I was dipping my toe in the water and my plan evolved as I walked down the path. So it, it ramped up pretty fast toward the later stages, but it's kind of a long process that it, it changed as I saw better ways to do things. Did you guys come up with your plan after you started doing real estate or before you started doing real estate? I'm just curious what brought you to real estate too at the same time. My plan is still changing every day. Yeah, yeah. That's why I picked the quote. I love that quote. Yeah. You know, I started out and we were looking at uh, subway franchises and a little bit of everything else. My wife was doing some some uh, direct marketing deals and things that, you know, just kind of trial trial and error. And uh, then we finally decided, well, I, I decided on the real estate. She's still doing uh, really well with her with her business as well. So she, she quit the same time I did. So you get a double quit on your side and a double entrepreneur. That's interesting. Okay. Might have to have you both back on the podcast and you got like a double whammy there. So that's pretty cool. David, was it about real estate that, that attracted you to it? I consider it the people sport, but people have a lot of things to consider, right? Like you said, they could do franchises. They could save money. They could do 401ks. There's all sorts of opportunities they could do. But what was it about real estate for you that, that brought you in? You know, it's, it's weird because originally I was uh, not interested at all. I think in 2010, when we turned our house into the rental, um, I was driving in Riverview. They have these. They have the section of Riverview that's all brick slab homes, and I remember seeing green tags on the doors, probably foreclosure tags, one after the other. They were selling for maybe twenty or thirty thousand. I was saying, man, I I could get one. You know, I've got enough cash to buy one, and I was like, eh, that sounds like too much work. I don't think I'm going to do that, right? Yeah. And so that was kind of when I first noticed anything about it. But I would have had no support system. I wouldn't have known what the hell I was doing. But then when I got to the meetup, you know, just talking to people, I figured out how 
cash moves and you know i don't look at cash like i used to look at cash so i think once i figured that out and how you can kind of get your money back out of investments and keep the investment and still cash flow that really got me excited and instead of putting it in the 401k and then watching your 401k go up and down and you have no control over it yeah the fucking roller coaster of the stock market i want nothing to do with the stock market now so I, you know, you you brought up a good point. You were just driving by and you noticed opportunity. It brings us back to our quote too. I've made so many stupid plans that I haven't been able to follow, right? But if you don't plan, I find you don't bump into the right opportunities so you can go back and change your plan. So in your case, you're just bumping along on the road. Why are there all these fucking green stickers on these Pretty doors? Much. And it puts it in front of your face. But you talked yourself out of it, right? Yeah, I talked myself out of it, and but the one thing we did, the probably one of the best decisions for a primary home is we. I had no, I really didn't know, I really didn't know anything about that stuff. I wasn't paying attention to the economy. Even I mean, we were for you know they were laying people off at the job, same thing. But that's the extent I knew. I was considered one of the better employees. I wasn't really worried about my job, losing my job. But uh, I said, you know, I was with Tara at the time, and I said, Tara, why don't you just go on Zillow and and look and just see what the cost of these newer homes are. And they were like 150, 160, and they were selling for 300,000 like three, four years ago, you know. So I said, oh, okay, well, maybe the time is now to move, right? So that was one of the best things we ever did. And we got our house, I'm still kind of brag about, we got the cheapest newer home in that sub. You know, we bought, we paid 150,000 for it, and now it's worth 300. Yeah. In just a matter of nine years, you know. So that, I wish I would have done, I wish I would have bought a bunch of rentals back then, you know, and started then. I mean, it would have been insane. I know if we had a time machine, we would have done it all yeah. different. You brought up another good point, though, thinking about money differently, too. I remember how I was not raised to think about money at all. Don't get me wrong. I've been a money-hungry whore from, like, <laughs> b- mean-ass, poor-ass parents. I wanted money. I was figuring out how to make money. But making money is really different than understanding how money works in the economy and real estate too. One of the reasons why I consider it the people sport is the government actually puts so many things in place. So literally almost everyone can participate in some way, shape or form. So when I talk about how the actual system works, when you figure out how money works, that's what David was talking about there, right? There's people give you loans. You can insure against those loans. You can get private loans, Values fluctuate. There's always a value add opportunity. And one thing I've always liked about real estate, especially smaller real estate, is it's too small for the sharks to come gobble up too. Because once you guys, you guys are starting now, you're starting to get in the big leagues, right? There's some sharks fuck you out of a deal, all sorts of shit, right? Smaller deals though, there's like a space for everybody depending on how big you are. You can kind of put yourself in your own little lake. Now, Brad, we did great podcast, two and a half hours. So I already know the answer to this question, but. If somebody's listening to this for the first time, what was it that got you particularly into real estate when you were working your plan? Well, I realized I needed to compound my money faster than just the 401k kind of plan. And then even then they decide when you can take your money, right? So I didn't like that. Um, I So I knew businesses were, were the way to go. So I was looking at all sorts of different kinds of businesses. I've got some family members that own businesses like... Uh, like my aunt owns a rental, uh, like party rental and equipment rental, stuff like that. But they are tied to that all summer long. <clears throat> They're working 10, 12-hour days all summer, six or seven days a week. I knew I didn't want a business like that. Um, I knew I wanted something with much more time freedom. So 
that kind of led me towards real estate after I uh, canceled out all the other opportunities that didn't look very good to me. And then the Millionaire Real Estate Investor book. That's I a great that book. Yeah, about a decade ago, and uh, I'm which I'm listening to your my angry read. read. Yeah, yeah I'm going to do that next week. I should be able. I think two more podcasts. I can get my angry read done. Yeah, please do yeah. finish. That. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing how much people like that. I just, you know, how I started doing that one day. I had nobody to talk to on my podcast, and I'd said <laughs> I was going to do. It was my first year, and I was going to do one a week, no matter what. And the the millionaire real estate agent at the time was just sitting there, and I was like. I'm going to read that fucking book on the podcast. <laughs> That's about how long it took me to think it. And I can't believe people like listening to me read the book. It's one of the funnier things in life. Like, okay, I'll just angry read this thing for you guys. So it's interesting though. You guys all started in single family homes, but now you're all moving away from it. Right? So we got David here just getting into self storage. Obviously Mark, that's been something you've been working on self storage for a couple of years now. Pretty seriously, right? How many units are you guys up to? We're pushing around a thousand units right now. Yeah, so you're pretty big, and you have something pretty decent under contract. Or I got some inside. Yeah, is yeah, that well, going we well? Actually, just purchased it. Fucking yeah. a man! Congratulations, sir. Three hundred thirty awesome. units. Hell yeah, that's <laughs> winning right there. Yeah. And you have been moving steadily into more and more apartment units, mm-hmm. correct? Yeah. Okay. Do you have any interest in self storage? You just going all in on apartments? I do, but Mike or Mark's buying them all. So yeah, he's <laughs> hungry. He's hungry. Yeah, that's all you're doing all day, right? <laughs> nom 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 nom. Well. We might be able to catch him slipping on his vacation every two months, right? <laughs> so you get an opportunity, folks. You just got to follow him on Facebook. And when you start seeing them pictures of feet on the beach, go look for some uh, storage units. You catch him slipping. So what was that transition like, right? Because it does seem like, you know, Monopoly. Turn houses into hotels. And we just pick what our ho- hotels are. But uh, I think people don't believe they can do it. Right, like they think there's some huge magical difference between stacking up 20 single family home units and stacking up other units otherwhere. So, let's talk about the transition about why you started in single family home, but how you started to think you could do something different with it. And whoever wants to start, feel free, that's open for everybody. Yeah, Um, so I, I switched from single family houses to apartments. And uh, I actually looked back and found one of my old plans from 2014. That's funny. And it was houses by one per, one house per year. It was the millionaire real estate yeah. investor plan. And, uh, you know, somewhere, I guess 2015 is when I deviated off that path into apartments. And, man, it's so much faster. Um, I think, well, reading about them. And then uh, I met Josh Sterling one day. And uh, I was like, holy crap, how is he doing all of this? You know, he was 32, 33 at the time. I'm like, wow, okay. So I was picking his brain a little bit and uh, readjusted my plan, started buying apartment buildings just so much faster, so much easier. Um, you know, well, let's talk about why is it faster and easier, right? Faster because uh, it takes the same amount of work to buy a 12-unit or a 50-unit as a, as a house or two. People aren't going to believe you. I say the same thing, and I love you guys, and I'm still going to take the 6%, but any listing over 150000 is kind of the same thing. 150 or below, it's all work, and you're definitely getting paid for every dollar of that work. Anything over 150 is kind of gravy in most markets. So you're kind of saying the same thing. Mm-hmm. Buying one house, really no different than buying 12 houses or 20 houses together, right? right? Same amount of work, you just get... 
more houses, right? And since I'm outsourcing all the work, the property management, the repairs, uh, everything, bigger is better, right? Hey, man. What about you guys? Well, I'm the newbie on that. We just got ours. We have a partner on that, and he gets paid to manage it. So I'm we're more of the funding side of that, but then we, we're brought in for decision-making, but we still let him make the decision, which is what he gets paid for. But uh, That's interesting. Yeah. So in your model, you brought the money. Yes. And your partner does all the work. Yes. And you split the profit. Yep. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah, which I like. You know, uh, no offense, I find uh, self-storage quite boring. Uh, how... <laughs> Although uh, it is boring, yeah. <laughs> yes, uh, you know I like to be a little bit more in the mix than that. Uh, but uh, you know, we're starting to. I think I'm looking more to generate um, to use single family as generating cash. You know, flipping and I still we still keep them for rentals. You know, we won't say no to anything basically if it comes. But um, yeah, we're starting to gear. We're starting to even do a little bit of marketing for apartments. So, but. Uh, we I don't want I hate to say it I don't want to say that I have a limit on how big we want to get or anything but we don't I don't I'm not trying to chase billions or something I'm not trying to get so large or anything at a certain but then again if deals keep coming you'll keep taking them say no yeah, yeah. so yeah. Mark well I first started out you know I was I guess it's kind of a two prong I was sitting at my desk at, at work and. I'm seeing houses in St. Clair Shores for like $70,000. I'm like, this is just too freaking high. So I'm starting to look for something different. Uh, so I started flipping through. I've got my agent's license as well. So I'm going through the MLS. I flip over to the commercial side and just browsing through there. And I see a self-storage place 15 minutes from my house. I'm like, hmm, this is kind of cool. So that's another accidental thing. Yeah. So you're you started looking because prices things are getting too good. You're like, yeah, what the hell is this? Well, my hundred sixty thousand dollar houses in Saint Clair Shores at seventy thousand. I don't want to do this anymore. So you yeah. just like, uh, let's get on the MLS and just just peek, just see what's out there. That's very interesting. I like that. Yeah, and then I found the first one. It's a small sixty unit, fifteen minutes from my house, and uh, kind of cut my teeth on it and learned the processes and started looking from there. Dude, that is so awesome. So you didn't have, but you didn't get any partners. You just went and fucking did it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we, we got two people. You went and did it. You talked to Josh Sterling. You got a partner. This is exactly what I want. So we have three completely different ways you guys achieved the same sort of goal. I think people get stuck in their head that there's this one magical right way to move forward. And if you miss any step, you're, you're out, you're too stupid to do it, whatever. You guys actually had other problems come up that forced you to look at different things and and then you did and then you just went and did it. So that's pretty cool. Also, you guys, everybody who's had rentals, rentals suck. Let's let's be honest. No, don't get me wrong. They create all the wealth we want, right? Our tenants pay down our mortgages, forced appreciation. We get lucky. We get other appreciation. We could borrow against it, right? But to your point, Mark, and to your guys' point, put all your units in one building or go into self-storage. Boring as fuck, but that's exactly what you're looking for, <laughs> right? Toilets, no tenants. Yeah. You know, the, the whole tagline. I, I loved what you put on Metro Detroit Real Estate Investors. The guy can come in, but he can't come out with his code. <laughs> so then he had to pay you in order to get the code to go out. And differently with storage units. They don't pay for you. For record, I'm, I'm not holding people hostage. Hell no, 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 no. <laughs> he just didn't understand how your code 
right. gets revoked when you don't right. pay your bill. And he now completely understands that to get in and out, you need to pay your bill. But you also can go throw a lock when they don't pay after a certain amount of time. So there's some, as boring as it is, some huge advantages in boring too. Like excitement, when I say in my listing business, I'm trying never to have a fucking emergency in my life. I want it to be the same shit every single time. It's nowhere near as boring as storage units, but I try and keep it as boring as possible. I do think sometimes people are looking for excitement. When that's exactly the opposite of what you want. You don't want excitement. (laughs) Let's talk about spouses, though. So here's another question I get at least 50% of the time at Renegade Detroit Investors. They'll come up to me and say something like, I'm really interested in real estate, but, and the but comes, and usually it's about money, whatever, but half the time, their spouse is not on board. Right. There are a lot of reasons for that, but it's a question that comes up all the time. And I was curious if you don't mind sharing, don't get yourself in trouble just in case your spouses listen. So maybe don't go into intimate detail, but I had to do the same thing with my wife, right? There was a negotiation and I fucked up pretty bad. So sorry, Gina, but uh, yeah, I won the negotiation, then ruined our lives a couple of times, but yeah, I had to work through it. So what came up with you guys and how did you, Work your way through it with your family and your relationships in your life. Anybody can start. My wife's always been really supportive. Um, you know, we had some family members that were questioning what the heck we were doing, wasting our money on rental houses at the time. And, you know, the economy's going in a hole. Well, like the mother-in-law? Are you, should you really <laughs> be doing that, Brad? Is it yeah. like one of those? Initially, yeah. yeah. She came, up, came along, but uh, no has me try to bring her kids along. But, um, yeah, my wife was super supportive about it, so I would keep her informed best I could. And I was the numbers guy. I'd give her spreadsheets that she'd... uh, Yeah, you're definitely the high C. When you came on the podcast, that was the first time somebody sent me a spreadsheet of their goals and how they plan to achieve (laughs) it. I was pretty fucking impressed. I was like, this guy has thought about this shit. Yeah. I imagine if you approach your spouse like that, that's probably a little easier than, look, I got this idea. We're going to make more money. Let's do it. (laughs) PowerPoint presentation. Yeah. That's a little short, you know? It sounds like an engineer. Yeah. yeah, Very, very engineering. What about, I obviously know your wife, but. Let's yeah, talk about it. Uh, at first, she was, she was like, okay, you know, whatever you want to do, you know. She always supports me, but uh, now she is such an integral part of what we do. Um, we complement each other really well. Uh, she's as much of, of the owner as me, you know, she, especially in the marketing side. And, you know, she's uh, an agent as well, so she takes clients that way. But uh, when we go out to off-market appointments or whatnot, I'm the numbers guy. You know, I've already done all the research behind it analysis she is the she's the outgoing type she'll talk your ear off she'll get really good rapport with people you know and her being a teacher everyone loves teachers of course so every time she brings it up everyone loves that she's local and you know invested in the community so you know without her we wouldn't be anything you know so it's it's pretty amazing so you guys didn't really have much of a problem mark you got an entrepreneur for a while so that probably wasn't yeah, yeah. i mean she's been 100 percent behind him you know she's she's awesome She's, you know, she's got her own thing going on. She's trusts me with everything that I've done. Um, you know, she comes from a family of entrepreneurs. So, you know, that's, that's what she's grown up with. Um, you know, so she's been behind me 100%. She's, 
I, I couldn't ask for any better. Well, I think, guys, we kind of missed on that one. We, they got very lucky. I had to do more negotiating, I think, than all <laughs> these three guys do. I will say this, though. My plan wasn't nearly as good as these guys' plan, so I think some of this is I like... No well, you're a little more haywire, aren't you? I am. I'm way better than I am now, but I am definitely a high-risk, high-return personality, and I have moderated that with significant therapy and school of hard knocks to medium risk, and I slow myself down quite. Know thyself, right? So I didn't have necessarily the plan. My plan was quit my job, move to Detroit. Lose all my money. That wasn't my plan, but that's exactly how it worked. But you out. have a lot more people around you now, too. Your network around you, right? Well, yeah. Fast forward, fucking thirteen years later. Yeah, it was a <laughs> little, little bit different. You guys did it way, uh, way smarter. I would say this though, and I, I keep railing this on this on the podcast, and I tell this to people, and I'm not trying to be mean. If you're the kind of person who shows up late to work, takes extra long breaks takes extra long lunches. If you think this is not my job and you decide I want to get into business at all, you got to realize people only know you as the person who does the bare minimum to get by. And if you think you're going to go out in the business for yourself with the bare minimum to get by, or everybody knows you as that, and you start asking for money, it begins where you're at. If you're not kicking ass at your current job, even if you hate your job, and people don't see you as the person who gets shit done, you're very unlikely to succeed if you go out on your own. And I'm not saying that to be mean. I just see it all the time. You know, if you can't work hard for somebody else, what makes you think you you can do it for yourself? I'm just throwing that out there. You might be one of those those people. Here's a question I get all the time though, right? Did you tell your employers or the people you work with what you were doing, how you were doing it? I notice people have two strategies here. Don't say shit. Share everything with everybody. What did you guys do and how did you guys manage it? I got people who wouldn't even come on podcasts because mm -hmm. they didn't want their boss to know. So we have a couple different ideas here. How did you guys manage that? I shared with everybody. My, uh, my bosses always joke that I made my own raises. So uh, we don't have to give you a raise this year. Uh, you make your own. That's hilarious. They would. But yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I would share with anybody. So you had no fear right. that they would find out and that you would get caught or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I was getting my job done, so what do I okay. care if they know what I'm doing outside of work? No paranoia. All right. Dave? Uh, at first, I was kind of nervous about telling. I told a couple of close friends, and then they, they were big mouths, and, you know, people with a day off already know when, when that's hilarious gossip <laughs> in and, uh, that sounds like plant life or yeah, something, you know? yeah and uh i didn't tell my bosses for a couple of years i don't know if they found out but you know they'd start noticing me looking up you know looking online all the time whenever i wasn't working or something well, you know that's funny you kind of start i started to transition away from working real hard at that you know, to working hard on my business. Once I felt like, okay, the noose was off, I didn't have to be there, kind of thing. But no, I didn't really keep. I didn't really keep it from my close friends there, but I kept it from the management. You know, and then I think once my boss found out, you know, he, he was supportive still. He's like, oh, good job, you know. But in the background, I always felt like I wasn't going to get raises or anything either because of that. Same thing. I didn't want to tell them because then they felt like they could just look past me to give that raise to someone else, you know, or something. So. I think there's a lot of anxiety too that they won't be seen as company men, 
right? Yeah. And if there's ever coming for a cut or for yep. a promotion or something like that, I think people have a fear that, oh, you're not all in on this company if you're trying to take care of your investment life. I know some people have had problems with it, but I have found that most people haven't had a problem. What was your experience, Mark? Do you tell everybody or? For the most part, yeah. yeah. I, uh, you know, I talked about it and, you know, I, I was open about it, but I didn't, you know, I wasn't constantly talking about it and bragging about it or anything else, you know, just kind of quietly went about it. Uh, I spent my lunches with my door shut and I, that's when I do all my phone calls. I do all my looking, you know, all that. And, uh, you know, just over time, it just kind of transitioned into it being a normal thing for them. They just knew what I was doing. They didn't say anything. See, I think people have anxiety about things. And I don't want to say just open up. Maybe these people, you know, your boss better than certainly some moron on a fucking podcast knows your boss. Right. But maybe if you don't talk about it either, I feel like you sometimes lose opportunities too. Right. So I've borrowed money from people like that. I don't know. Do you guys yeah. ever borrow money from anybody? Yeah. But you, the right? guy from work and his mom. Yeah. yeah. See, like, so you don't want to just like hold in a shell and not tell anybody because there's other people who don't want to have their money in the stock market, right? Like you're not the only person who woke up and had this idea one day that you're not as secure as you, you thought you were. There are plenty of other people looking for alternative investments and you never know who you're going to bump into. Plus in engineering, you're, you're around a lot of smart people and I don't know how much some of them have, some of them have some money, I would guess, but, uh, you know, you're around a lot of smart people that are really good at math. And, you know, if you have a, you know, you're like, Hey, how can I make this work? Even though it's real estate related, it's still math, you know, so you can ask, your friends or whatever, you know, one of my coworkers is looks at, looks at math from like a out of the box standpoint, which I can't do. I don't have the, I think it's like a gift of his, just a genius with it. So I started bouncing off ideas and he's actually helped me a lot with, you know, growing because of that, you know, so. Dude, that's awesome. That's one of the things I, I've always been a blabber mouth. So I fucking tell everybody really? everything <laughs> all the time. Shocker, right? Start a podcast. <laughs> do all that i never had a problem but i'm also on this i never gave a fuck and I, that's good and bad i didn't have four kids though right so like I, I could take more risks than than the average person but i don't know if that's necessarily the best way to do it but maybe don't be quite as worried as you are people about about discussing it were you guys ever overwhelmed when you were putting your plan together and executing it right because you're trying to do something new while at the same time you have your job going right. And then you start single family and then you transition to it. I think some people have a hard time managing their day and their time and trying to separate these things out. How do you guys manage this while you were working? Obviously you're doing something completely different now, right? But for the person who's doing it right now and putting their plan like you guys did, how did you handle with being overwhelmed and how did you manage putting that, that getting past that fear or that whatever, that, that step keeping you from moving forward and how did you manage your time while you were doing it? I know it's a very open-ended question. It's open to everybody and you feel free to diverge because I think we're going to get three very different answers here. So <clears throat> my, uh, my overwhelm came after three rental houses. I was, the property manager, I was a maintenance guy, the leasing agent, I was everything. And uh, with the full-time job and a couple kids at that point. Um, so uh, my my wife was uh, pointing out to me that I have no extra time in the day anymore. Um, so uh, for rental houses four and five, we hired property managers. 
So, um, so you kept managing the first three and then you hired, okay, that's interesting. So you started doing all the work yourself Mm -hmm. and then as you added more, you started hiring a property manager. Right. Okay. Right. So then onto apartments, which was property managers for everything, you know, and then started selling off the houses that, that I was responsible for managing. So take that off my plate so I can add more apartments. All right. So start doing yourself. Then you have started hiring out the new ones. Then you sold the old ones and got yourself completely out, right? Mm-hmm. So exactly. then you were just finding the houses, basically. Yeah, or okay. apartments. Yeah. Or apartments. Um, I think... Uh, you and I have talked about this a lot, actually. Yeah. So let's dive deep into this. Okay. Because I think there's more people like you and me. What did I tell you before? <laughs> a lot of anxiety uh, yeah. Oh, about, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. we, we got two people here... Well, Not necessarily the same. We are more yeah. like we've, we've chatted a lot on Facebook about doing new things, starting new things, going out on your own. The emotional side was really hard for me. I think, uh, you know, it's still always going through it a little bit. But uh, I would say maybe in the last month that I really kind of shake off all the cobwebs of just the career, you know. But I would say my last day in engineering career was December 21st of last year. And um uh, leaving, you know, I had a lot of good friends that I worked with and, uh, I, you know, I had, I, it was basically my whole, my social network was at work. So now it's all gone, you know, and I had a couple real estate buddies, but not local to me necessarily, you know, you know, that I would talk to on a daily basis. And just, I kind of went into this depression for a while, you know, just, I think in February, there was a couple weeks where I was just like, what did I do? You know, things weren't really going that well suddenly in real estate where, we had, I think we had a flip or two in the market and it wasn't selling like my normal. February case. was slow. Yeah. yeah. It was so dead slow. I turned to Tara, you know, and I'm like, oh my God, it'd be the worst decision of my life. You know, I just threw away a, a career where I could have just, just threw went away there a career. and got a check. Yeah. yeah. You know, and so I'm like, Tara's like, you're, you're panicking. We're fine. You know, so she's always been kind of like my rock. I'll go back to her and she'll talk me off the ledge. But yeah, just a lot of anxiety with, you know, I'm not an out of the box type of guy. I'm, just like there's either a yes or a no answer in engineering and there's no gray. You know, I mean, your car either has to work or it doesn't work, you know? So I always struggle with that. It's a lot of gray in real estate, yeah, isn't right. it? Yeah. There's a lot yeah. of right ways to get there, you know, and I don't like that generally. So yeah, I mean, just if my deal didn't conform to my little box calculation, then I felt like I was failing or something. Of course, now you figure that out over time. That's not the case. So yeah, emotionally it was really hard for me, you know, um, physically, you know, trying to get, trying to, I think it held me back. You know, I, I was, you know, working all day and, and, you know, when you're at your cubicle all day, it just drains you, you know, not, not physically, but just mentally. So when I would, eh, I don't want to go look at that house and then somebody else would buy it or something, you know? So it, I think, I'm sure I lost on tons of deals because I just didn't feel like. You know what I'm thinking about when you're saying that? Remember the first Matrix with that office and it, they, they use like this green tone to make it seem even more drab? While you were describing that, <laughs> I was thinking of that moment when he was sitting in that office like, what am I doing with my life? You know what he sat in front of his computer? He's like, fuck. Is this, this when is you that? were saying that, I was literally thinking that right now. You know so. who should be fired as a high school counselor? Yes. What the hell do they know? You know, oh, be an engineer. You'll get to design cars. No, you get to design this plastic component on a trough that goes in a car. You know what's funny? Thinking that an 18-year-old can decide what they want for the rest of their life, and the best person to get that from is the high school guidance counselor, right? That's 25 years old. Fuck yeah, yeah. 
who's been out of school four years more than you, basically. (laughs) I'm not trashing high school counselors. I know you're doing the best you can with the shit you're given, but it's maybe not the best resource for most people, I would, especially at 18. Who fucking knows what you're capable of at 18? You don't know. Shit, I wasn't even thinking till 33, if I'm being completely honest, right? Where I finally like, okay, I think I know how to think now. I'm not such a dumbass ape with all this testosterone running through me all the time. I did the same thing. I was like, burn the fucking bridges and let's live on the goddamn edge of the knife. I don't know why I'm that way. But it's the only way I can make myself do things. I can't like just put my damn foot in. I have to go all in. But then I ruin my goddamn life all the time, right? So like, with the stress, the anxiety, all that. But I kind of have to – if I don't put myself on the edge, I don't do anything. I don't think that's right for most people. But the first four or five years of doing that, managing my emotions, managing my relationship with my wife, I don't think it's the best way for most people. And I don't do it like that anymore. I've pulled myself back to where it's not such a – a, sh- a shit show all the time, right? Good thing about taking massive actions, you create enormous opportunities. Bad thing is you're generally not ready for it, right? But I put myself in the position to do it and then I clean up the damn mess. It's supreme. It's very difficult for, for my wife. You guys, yeah. So we've had these conversations back and forth because I have these conversations all the time. I think people are terrified of failure, right? And I was telling Jay this morning, I thought of this analogy Real estate, like the the tracks of real estate are greased with failure. Like you can't even go forward. Like anything you want to do, you have to fail a certain number of times just to get enough grease to get that track going. I think that analogy stands. So guess what? You are going to fuck it up. Congratulations. Mm -hmm. You're going to fuck it up all the time. I got good news for you, though. You only have to win 3.5% of the time to put you in the top 10%. If you win 4% of the time, you're in the top 1% of real estate. So this is worse than baseball, folks. It's just failure everywhere. I'm not saying get comfortable with it, although that's a good idea. <laughs> but just know it's part of the process. You're going you're gonna to fuck shit up. You're going to wake up in the middle of the night panic. Somebody's going to break into your flip and steal some shit. You're going to have to do an eviction on a rental. You had any horrendous shit happen yet, Mark, on storage units or been lucky so far? <laughs> Knock on wood, maybe, right? You never know what's going to happen. So far, so so good, but there's always the first time, right? Yeah. So how did you guys manage your day while you were in your job, right? Obviously, you got to put in, I'm assuming, something like eight hours. Is that about right? Yeah, 10, 12? Right. Yeah, more like, yeah, 10 to 12. You got a family. You got this damn job. You got this plan to get out of your damn job. How did you guys break up your day working on it? Oh, I just go. would, uh, I don't know. We just kind of, I just kind of did both at work a lot. You know, it was whenever I could, I was looking at real estate stuff, and then I was getting my job done too. So, you know, I was trying not to let it affect what I was doing at work. But I think more the closer I got to leaving, the more it was affecting me. I was just getting a bad attitude because you didn't have to be, I didn't have to be there anymore. So I was just pissed that I was still there. You know, and then just real quick though, we got a new CEO that came to the company. I was about a year away from leaving anyway, but the CEO comes and he offers this huge buyout. I mean, I got like a year, over a year salary from it. 
I call him Uncle Bo. <laughs> he, he comes along, and he was great for that company because for so many, I had been with that company 19 years, and this company, you know, he it, they just there was a lot of yes men and you know just bureaucrats in the upper management, and this guy comes along and he just kind of chopped them all. Like the next day, he chops a bunch of upper, and he scared the crap out of all the management, which was good. That company needed it. I was happy as hell because by then I was doing real estate. I'm like. Finally, we get somebody in there that's going to fix the financial statements and all that, you know. And then he comes along with this huge buyout offer. And I said, well, how can I not take that? You know, it's like basically paying me to stay a year when I was going to leave anyway. So, but anyway, yeah, it was. Uh, so just, you took that buyout. Hell yeah. Fuck yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> you can pay me to go away, that's sir. Right. Thank you Still very much. Still paying you right now, actually. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So you got paid to leave. Yeah, I got paid. I did not know that. That's kind of cool. Yeah, get paid to leave. Mark, how did you manage your time? And mine was kind of unique. I was pretty autonomous in my job because I, I did a lot of traveling. I traveled between plants. We had plants in Mexico, Kansas City, so a lot of my time was spent in airports, planes, cars, and uh, so you know, I was able to do business calls that way. Uh, as far as taking care of my properties, you know, I, I've been super lucky. Uh, I've got a good friend of mine, Ken. That you know, he's a handyman, Mister Fix everything, and so if I have an issue, I call Ken up. Ken, can you go take a look at this? He's there on the spot, takes care of it. I pay him. You know, he's done a couple flips with me that we've you know split. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's like I said, it's it's been fairly easy, quote unquote. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay, Brad. I would uh, come in about a half an hour early every day, hit the computer, um, you know, look for listings, uh, organize, organize my plan or to-do list or whatever else I had to do. And uh, like Mark, I would go find somewhere to to uh, separate uh, to do my lunch and look at listings, make phone calls, that kind of thing. Uh, my engineering jobs, you know, I, if if I got a call in the middle of the day, I could step aside for five minutes. It was no big deal to do that. So that made it pretty flexible for that kind of thing. <clears throat> and then uh, once or twice a week on the way home, I would, uh, you know, stop by a property to check it out or do an inspection or mow the lawn when I was <laughs> doing everything. So it sounds like a couple of things. You worked it in when you could and you applied leverage when you couldn't, right? So if you're listening, don't think you necessarily have to do it all. If you don't have time or expertise, you can get a partner like Mark. You can hire it out like Brad and Dave. So you, you, you have some options, folks, right? We all know plans change. When you create plans, plans change. How much did your plan change from the time you created it? And how did it change? So obviously I have an agenda on this. I think, I think people think, oh, my plan failed quit right when your plan was never going to fucking work from day one let's be let's be realistic about it but how did your plan change and, and how did you change it uh, my plan was uh i was kind of dipping my foot in well my very first rental was the accidental one where uh, we moved from madison heights to white lake and uh, we were 25 grand underwater on our madison heights house so we rented that out uh, found out that it wasn't that hard really to to be a landlord, especially in Madison Heights, that's an excellent. Now it's pretty, it's pretty high, but like for years, that was the place to go for for cash flow, right? Mm -hmm. Like they rent well, 
They're easy to buy. Super good area. Yeah, so I either could pay twenty five grand to get out of it, or collect a hundred bucks a month in profit. <laughs> you know, it's a, you know, that's a good point. Time. You guys didn't pick tough shit to do either, right? Like, so you pick suburb stuff, mm-hmm. boilerplate stuff. You weren't complicating your lives. I love Detroit, and I love the opportunity in Detroit, but I would not call Detroit easy or something you would do probably while you're working a job. You pick stuff that was simpler for you guys to do. So in your case, high quality house in Madison Heights, not that bad of a rental to manage even for your first time. Right. Yes. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So it wasn't that bad, but my, uh, so once I found out that it wasn't super hard to do, I was okay. I'm going to put 25% of my investing effort into this and then do the rest in my 401k like everyone else does. And then, okay, it started working. It's working better. All right, I'm, I'm going to do 50% of my investment. <laughs> yeah, you really – Yeah, that engine, that high C engineer on your side. I like that. Yeah, Literally like, okay, another 25%. That's almost how you would test a piece of machinery, right? Fired up 25%. Yeah, fired so, up 50%. Okay. Yeah, that's as, – as it was working more, I, I jumped in deeper. Dude, that's cool. David? It's weird you say that because I, I, I don't consider myself a risk taker at all. But then, you know, Tara reminds me all the time, it's like, you're buying these houses, you're just writing checks for 70, 80 grand, and we just bought the self-storage unit, and you just, what do you mean you're not a risk taker? You know what, you know what I mean? But the math the math makes it look like it's not a big risk, you know, um, especially when you have an asset, too. Even if you're wrong, you hold it, God forbid, it's cash flowing still, so, you, you know, you'll recover eventually. But, yeah, I don't know. Mm. I don't know. Mark? Mine was kind of... A little bit different. Um, I started out, my, my grandmother passed away in 2010, and she left all of us kids $40,000. And so my wife and I sit down, she's like, well, you know, it's your money, do with it what you want. I'm like, well, I said, I'm going to try to invest it. And I went out and I bought three, four houses um, using home path loans. I don't know if you remember the home path. Yeah. 10% down. So I'm, I'm buying houses in St. Clair Shores for $50,000. Completely rehabbed, ready to go. I mean, I'm putting maybe carpet in it and paint them. They're good to go. And they're all running for $1,000 a piece. You know, so I'm, I'm fat and happy. I blew through the, the 40000 in probably nine months. And um, But in that whole time, those houses are starting to appreciate. And uh, I started doing cash-out refis on those properties, going out buying more. Started buying houses on land contract. Um let those build up a little bit more, did a couple flips, and just started snowballing it. And uh, so far to this date, I still am putting more than the 40000 into everything I've got. Dude, that's, that's fucking out. You just literally rolling the whole thing just on. That's a big-ass snowball now. <laughs> that is literally the perfect segue into my next question, too, because you just kind of half did it for me right there. As you guys started progressing – you started to systematize it a little bit, right? So when you start something in the beginning and you have a plan, plan doesn't survive, right? But after you do a few, plan starts to get a little clearer and you just started to nail it. You kind of create a little system for yourself over there, right? So you're looking for, here's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for a little $50,000 rental. I could put 10% down. It's going to go up in value. I can pull the money back out. And reinvest it. And to your point, you've just rolled all that money over and over again. So that same 40 grand has been working the entire time. How did you guys, what was the system? I'm sure it's relatively similar, but I'm going to throw it out there, right? Because as you start doing it, what was the system you came up for, for your little like 
press stamp, right? Your repeatable process you're looking for. I think it's kind of changed, you know, over the years because the market's changed. You know, I was long going to buy in St. Croix Shores and Gross Point. That's where I started out at. And all of a sudden, I started getting priced out of those markets. So I, I, I moved into Clinton Township, then Mount Clemens, then East Point. And, uh, you know, kept trying to stay in the same basic style, three-bedroom brick houses. Or, you know, if I if I come across a nice frame, I'd buy it. Um, but it had to be three-bedroom. had to be, you know, pretty much ready to roll. Um, you know, that changed a little bit later on. I started doing a little bit more risky where I had to do a little bit more work to them. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it kind of flows as the market changes. Brad. Um, I was trying to compound my money. That was, uh, all my compounding spreadsheet showed, uh, how, how, uh, <laughs> I love it. I love it. How much more powerful it is to compound at 30 than it is at 10. Right. So, uh, roughly 30% compounding was my, was my bogey. Damn. Then uh, you know these days it's more like twenty or so, but yeah. And that's cash on cash, right? IRR, IRR, internal rate of return. Yep. Sorry, cash on cash first year, IRR all the rest of the years, right? Dave. Oh, I like buying the dumps. There like we the, go. I don't know. I like to make them the way I. You want like them. cat piss houses, right? I, do. Oh, I was yeah. going to work oh, this God. cat picture in oh, somehow, <laughs> some way today, and I just did. <laughs> That's it never was going coming. Away, is it? No, I love that thing. Can you get it off the what do you mean? That's fucking making you famous, man. That's the greatest, longest standing running joke in is the that Metro Detroit. Uh, I'm going to put it. No, I won't. You got to go find it. If you want to find this picture, you got to go to Metro Detroit Real Estate Investors Group and go it's find it. It's worth joining just for that. Just for that. Yeah. You do like the dumps. I you do, like man. the cat piss house. You so like wrong. the order house. I do. Yeah. You know, when they've been coming, the more, when I bought that one, that was my first really bad piss house, and now they're like falling into my lap. Yeah, you became the piss house Tara man. said don't buy anymore. Said, what are you talking about? Now I know how to fix them. All right, folks, you got a piss house. You go to pisshouse.com. I don't know. That, that URL doesn't exist, but it That's should. Probably a porn Before I post, never mind. I'm, it probably is. I'm not going to go look at it now. I was going to go see if I could buy the URL. You just terrified me from looking. I'm not even going to go look now. So you went the opposite here. You just like big ass projects, or are you just looking at the numbers because you are a little bit well, more. Yeah, like I like to cash out everything that we put in, so we can keep recycling the money, and then we flip to add more money into that. So, I mean, I would do the same with commercial when possible. I think with the self storage in a couple of years, we're going to either do that or sell it. You know, so uh, yeah, I like to just keep recycling the money and uh, getting it all back, and I feel a whole lot safer after being burned a couple of times in the stock market having your money back in your hands to do more with, you know. And so sometimes we'll lend it to short term to people. But generally, I can keep buying multiple. And, you know, our goal is to uh, try to get – try to. And actually, I'm working on trying to build a little bit of a team of, a, of, con, of contractors so that I can expand that. But as soon as possible, I want to put a project manager in there because I do not want to be chasing these guys everywhere. So I'm always I'm always trying to look at it like can I run my business from my couch, you know. So that's the goal. And like when I was starting to ramp up a little bit, you know, we were trying to. I hate paperwork too from engineering, so I was I was using like mail merge, you know, for our leases and our uh, notes and things that we would write. So I had this mail merge set up, so it's just a few clicks and boom, it generates it. That way, also kept away from kept from making mistakes. Um, we were making, we were missing things. I'd see somebody else's name and something that I generated a while ago. I forgot to change, and that got recorded, by the way, though, at the registrar. So that wasn't good. But uh, yeah. So uh, anyway, I like to, I like to keep recycling the cash. 
do you care about the brick or the three bedroom or the uh, basement like yeah. these guys or yeah everything we have is has a basement with exception of well with the exception of two um but everything has a garage yeah, i think i sold you one of them you I? did yeah, yeah. that's that a nice phenomenal. house that was great i had, ended up cashing out eleven thousand more than i ever put into it so that was awesome yeah, within six house. months too yeah. and that was a great deal and uh but yeah, we like to we like the brick. I like the brick, you know, especially brick ranches. Who the hell doesn't want to live in a brick ranch? <laughs> That's what I try. When somebody rent. comes up to me and say, "I'm looking for a rental," and they have a job, yeah, I already know what I'm looking for: three bedroom, two bath, basement, yep. brick. Three try and get it less than a hundred thousand. Try and get it with no work. Try and get it for ten percent down. They're right? Easy to fix. How could you They're go wrong? Everybody loves, everyone them. loves them. Same sort of thing. They're more, at least in this area, we're talking about Southeast Michigan, obviously, folks. It's Renegade Detroit Investors Podcast. If you're listening somewhere else, this part may not exactly apply. But if you noticed, so you guys bought with financing. You maybe had to put some money in. You rented it out. You refinanced that money back out. And then, or in some cases, you fixed and flipped, took that money and reinvested it back. So they had a stamp they could reproduce on this. They're using some money from work that they're earning. They're using money from flips. They're using money from rentals. They're using cash out refis. And I'm sure now some private lenders. So this is how you need a, you need a machine that you can repeat, even if it's only once or twice a year, right? Some, some repeatable thing. You could probably have to do a few before you figure out how to repeat it. Right. But that's what they did. You're noticing this thing. So after the first couple of times you do it, this is the thing you do. All the time. I like how you said it changed because it did. I started wholesaling full time in 2014 and I almost did all landlord deals. And then in 2016, it switched and we started doing more flip deals because the market got hot, right? So, like a flip deal, most of my investors are looking to make 35 to 40. That way, if they make a mistake, they're still walking with 25 to 30. What would be the cash flow version of that for people, right? So if somebody's looking to, hey, man, I'm going to add a house a year, right? I'm a millionaire real estate investor, right? What are your guys' cash flow or cash on cash or IRR? I know you just said it, but let's lay that out a little bit more clearly for people looking to build this cash flow to replace their income to get out, at least how you do it. Right. If I can give just an example of what we're looking at now. Perfect. Down river. We're trying I, for the brick ranches and that I'm trying to buy it somewhere around like 70 to 80, 80 would be the higher end. Uh, but usually they need 30 grand or maybe 40 grand to work, but that includes, you know, like all the CapEx too. Um, I like to try to get it all in there, get it all done. And then I get it all back out. And I have a beautiful home, all right. So that's the goal. So I like to be like basically 100% cash on cash, or you know, infinite essentially with all my cash back, so I can keep doing it. But then I want to do like five or six or ten at a time instead of one or two at a time. So that's why we flip because we keep adding cash. Well, yeah, you're trying to you're trying to take the cash from the flip yeah. and put it into rentals. What what return are you looking for in your rentals after? You pull like, that money back out. Basically, I'm looking for about 400 bucks before property management okay. per month, and that's with uh, the the debt, taxes, and insurance. Uh, I, you know, maintenance is so unknown; it's a variable. So I look at that 400 bucks as a big margin, and then if I ever want to outsource all that to somebody else, I can. But for if you do it this way, I am like never bothered by my tenants. We get the best tenants. We get top rent. And we almost never get called. It's either going to be a plumbing issue or an HVAC. 
that's like almost everything because everything is new. So for me to outsource it to property management right now doesn't make that much sense. But I always build it in. So that's kind of how I look at it. I like how you built it in just when you pull the trigger and the yeah. future. So $400 is kind of like above expenses. $400 is what you're looking yeah. for, right? This is after you refi it. Yes. So cash flow. All right, Mark, what are you, what are you looking for? How do you, how do you measure that? It's for me now, it's a lot different than when I started, uh, when I was doing the, the houses, you know, I was looking for kind of the same thing, you know, three, $400 a piece, you know, after, you know, everything's said and done, you know, I set aside money for reserves, for repairs, taxes, the whole nine yards. And, you know, there's three, $400 left over. And I felt like it was a decent deal. Um, now I've pretty much sold all but three of my rental houses and in the storage, I'm just looking more for cap rates and well, I say cap rates, but you know, the one I just bought is probably a two cap, but it's also 30, 35% economically occupied. Yeah. It's a value so there's, there's add, a lot right? of value add yeah. to it. Uh, and so now I kind of more concentrate on, on value add opportunities. So early on in your career, you weren't as interested as value add. You're just trying to grab it with as little work as possible, put a renter in it. Mm-hmm. Now you're like, okay, it's two cap right now, but in the future, after a couple of years, I can do these repairs and all that. And it's going to be much higher. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's interesting. So now you look for value add. Brad. Yeah. I'm same with the value add uh, for sure. So the 20% IRR I was referring to is a five year hold. Um, we plan on holding most of them forever because they're they're good assets. But I want it to pencil out at a twenty percent IRR over five years. Why five years? Just out of curiosity. Um, that's. I know you I, generally have a reason for everything. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, generally we're going to cash out refi in a year or two anyway, and we'll we'll end up with all of our investment money back in our hands and still cash flowing nicely. But uh, in case the market uh, has a downturn, I like the value add. That, that is built in with that 20% IRR um, so that even if the market goes down, we're still going to have a lot of equity because we're buying right, we're adding value, right? So it's it's either a cushion uh, against a downturn or that cash comes back in my pocket relatively quickly. Um, and that's because most of the commercial loans, are they seven-year or 10-year refis that you're getting? Five to 10. Five to 10, yeah. yeah. So it's a little different in the commercial world, folks. So first of all, IR is internal rate of return. CapEx is capital expenditures, right? So if you're listening and you don't know what the fuck we're talking about, sorry, I slipped on that. I try and I try and, and throw that in. So your five years is like just in case all hell – like you yeah. can sock away enough money that you think – is your idea that at 20% – IRR at five years, even if the economy takes a shit, you can create more equity through pay down or make more money that you could get it refied when the time comes. Right. Yeah, I mean, uh, for, for instance, uh, we bought uh, a building that for 1.2 million and it's already worth probably 1.6, the one at the beginning yeah. of this year. So that we're going to take that cash back out soon. Um, it, it'll end up higher than a 20%. IRR, but if if we just held it five years straight, I think that's about where we would end up. All right, guys. And if you're used to single family home and you're wondering about this commercial stuff, so how you add value in the commercial world, and when we say value add, we talk about investments that increase cash flow because banks lend based on typically, yeah, yeah, net operating income, some sort of cap rate or or debt 
service coverage ratio. Like there's something in there that they're looking for. So if you increase your net operating income, you are increasing the value of your property. So it's a little different. Whereas like a flip, you're putting in a prettier kitchen, prettier bathroom. You're looking at comps. This is more like how much cash flow can you generate? So when they're looking for value add, they're looking for poorly managed, or maybe they haven't invested the money and they should have for a long period of time. That happens. So they're buying them at a much lower cap rate, but they have a plan over a couple of years to increase their net operating income and then refi out. So that's what Brad's talking about. And his five-year plan is just in case the economy takes a shit and he can't refi like 2009, right? He has some sort of plan in place. You get, what do you do, Mark, with that? Do you are once you refi, is there something you're looking for when you refi on the way out? Or honestly, with the storage that I've been looking at, um, most of the ones I'm buying, the the previous owners are terrible at their at their finances. They're terrible at bookkeeping, and so they nobody will finance on them. And so I end up doing land contracts on everything. Fucking love it. I do. Uh, out of the six I've got, five of them are land contracts. So this is like Dave's version of a cat piss house, right? You're looking for the can't fucking do anything right for the bank investor. So no bank will lend on it. So they're in a position they have to take either a lowball cash offer or, in your case, self-finance, right? Right. Which is yeah. fucking awesome. Uh, a lot of times what they'll do is, you know, they'll, they'll keep, you know, five grand a year in cash payments that they won't report on their income taxes. Yeah. But at the end of the year, at a 10 cap, that's $50,000 that they're screwing themselves on. I love that shit. Yeah. You, you get into bigger properties, that can be millions of dollars. That's the perfect example of stepping over a dollar to pick up a dime, right? Like, like that's the, the value add version of that. That happens more often than people realize, right? Humans are investors too. And I think sometimes people think all investors are good at things. A lot of the deals we do are investor investments gone bad, right? This shit happens. And like Not Mark's, on Facebook, it doesn't. Yeah, or I've seen happen <laughs> many times. Uh, it gets passed on to another family member, yeah. or somebody gets sick, or life happens, right, folks? Which is, if you're wondering, what, they got all these backstops in their plan too, so they don't end up like the people we're buying from, right? Although I've been that person, right? I've had the wholesale deals and get out of bad deals, but you create backstops to try and get out of that. What has been the worst mistake you guys have made trying to get out of your exit plan? And I'll rephrase it to you. I'm going to ask it a couple different ways to trigger it. What is your biggest regret at putting in your exit plan? Right. And if I didn't say it quite right, feel free to change it for that. Cause we all make mistakes when we execute a plan, right? I killed two businesses relatively quick order and it set me back a long time. So don't do that. Right. Did you guys have some sort of moment like that where you kind of had to pivot or do something different? I don't know. I just wish I would have started sooner. You know, I waited till late 14 to really get into it. How long do you think you waited? What, like three years before you started from the time you had the idea? No, no. When I, once I had this epiphany that I should be doing it, it was very quick. That's when I got online and then I got over to a meetup within a month or so. But, okay. But yeah, I mean, I guess when I was driving by and seeing these homes, that's what I that's was asking. the best time ever. And I just says, eh, it seems like it's too How hard. long from the sticker time from the time you actually did it? Oh, four and a half years. Yeah. So you, you're, you just think you waited too long to start. Yeah. I mean, it, because of the compound interest, if I had started that's, then, yeah, that's a good point. You know, even if I would have just bought 10 houses and 
2010. I mean, you, you, homes I'm buying now for 70 or 80 were selling for like 30. Yeah. You know, I mean, how many more could I have bought? And then had that the market do all the work and not, you know, so. Dude, I feel sick like that on Detroit condos. <laughs> I The shit I said, they're never going to come back. The number of condos I passed at 15 bucks a square foot is enough to make you fucking puke all night. Just, what, what, were, what, was a, what were apartments doing in 2010? Do we even want to know? Do we want to? I wasn't buying them back then. <laughs> I have no I idea. I, have. I bet it was bad. Yeah. Mark? I don't know. I, I don't know. I have any real regrets or anything. I, I'm a bit of a bulldog. When I decide to do something, I'm just going to do it. I'm bull in a china shop. I'll, I'll do whatever I'm going to say I want to do and just get it done. Um, you know, honestly, probably wish I would have got into commercial a little bit sooner. Uh, I stayed in residential too long. I had 14, 16 houses that I was pulling my hair out trying to keep those going instead of getting into something that's a little bit more manageable. Um, you know, once I saw the, the light of day and, and you know, realized that this is a lot easier way to go, you know, it just really kind of flipped a switch for us. Brad? Uh, same. I would have uh, gone to apartments sooner, uh, and I also would have quit my job sooner, probably about a year ahead of when I did. Uh, it, it scared the crap out of me to quit my job. Honestly. Even though you did it quicker than two years, you're like, I should have done it sooner. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right, I fucking love it, man. Like, yeah, it, I could have done it better. It, it freaked me out to, to quit the job. You know, the stability of that check coming every couple weeks. You know, I've got a family to support. Um, so it, yeah, it really freaked me out. And then I did it. Why didn't I do this <laughs> sooner? I have I noticed you took your, your spreadsheet up. You did it. Yeah. yeah. That's what I did. I was like, exactly. Is this thing really right? <laughs> exactly. So I had that moment this year. I never wanted to be a real estate agent. And when I did, I joined the Delia group. And then in February of this year, I went out on my own and since I've done that, I can't believe how great it is. I almost got to pinch myself sometimes. I struggled so long for so hard and made so many mistakes that now I have more things going right than wrong. I'm almost like looking over my shoulder like, what the fuck? I, I, I should have started sooner. I should have been smarter. I was arrogant. I should have listened to more people. I should have got more help. I was a control freak. I held on too tight. I did all sorts of fucking stupid things. So I think I'm definitely more on the... Like I, I do things before I think about things, and now I think about things more before I do things. But my natural tendency is think do, like pretty much immediate, which is good in a lot of ways and bad in a lot of ways. And now I have that more, more match. And this is like my first year of holy shit. I got Kelly to leverage. I don't do any paperwork. Any there's just so much shit I don't do anymore, and things are going so well. I hired my first buyer's age. Like I, I almost can't. I guess what I'm saying is even if you're fucking shit up real bad, right? And you're not having these guys experiences and that's actually leading to my next question. It's fucking worth it, right? Let's talk about all the pain and suffering versus especially Mark, right? I go on a vacation every two fucking months. That's a good point too, right? We're talking about, we're not just talking about the future and investments. We're also talking about some sort of lifestyle, right? The corporate life was grading. It wasn't just the money. Right. Dave, you were talking about it. Like corporations are dumb, slow moving beasts sometimes, and it chews up a lot of people and it's very, very different. My lifestyle's changed completely to where I could do anything I want whenever the fuck I want. And that's so different than before that even though my path was shittier than most people's path to get to where I'm at, I still say it's worth it. So let's talk about how it's worth it. 
How have your lives changed since you gone out and went on your own and, and and did your own thing? Good and bad. Let's talk about it. Well, you don't have to schedule around it. You know that's great. Um, I, I don't know. I like I like downtime. I, I'm not really a traveler. I don't. I'm never going to be a traveler. I don't know if that comes from when you're young or something. My family was never really about that. We would maybe go camping or something, but. I don't know. I don't like to pay all this money for comfort and then go pay to live in the toilet for, for a weekend. So I, I don't really get it. We had to travel around places. Yeah, yeah. maybe. But, uh, but uh, no, uh, what's cool is like if Tara and me wanted to jump on a plane, we could just go do that right now. You know, she's a teacher. She's going to be – she'll be out of her job at the end of her next school term. I'm saying it right now. Officially, Tara. You One more be, year. You will be out. I will not pull a – Freedom. Well, unless the economy collapses. No, anyway. Um, You're stuck. Sorry. <laughs> I was just kidding. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I've got a couple of dogs. We kind of train them. We, you know, I, I just, I like to be home and I like to enjoy my free time, you know, and that's awesome. I've, what I notice a lot of when I'm driving around during the morning or something, you know, everyone's trying to rush to get somewhere or something. and Or you see the guys that are working for chump change per hour and they're miserable. They're going slow to get to their job or something, you know. It's cool to be able to just say, you know what, I don't have to leave and leave the house today if I don't want to, right? So that's, I really like that. I really like it. You know what I don't do hardly ever anymore? Driving rush hour traffic, <laughs> fucking A. Yeah. I plan my whole life around that shit. <laughs> what do I need to waste it sitting for two hours in a fucking car? Yeah. I drive four or five hours a day as it is. I don't need to be sitting in traffic. That sounds like a small thing, but man, I fucking hate traffic. I you guys remember Office Space when he's sitting yeah. there in traffic? Yeah, that's how I felt. When that movie came out, that's how, that's how I felt about traffic. So no more traffic for Jeremy. By the way, uh, Office Space, it's like a it's like a it's a documentary. It's yeah. not even a comedy. It's a documentary on corporate world. Someone who wrote that knows, right? Because everything every rep, every character was represented hey, at my job. How's it going? Every one of them. About those TPS reports, yeah. Dave. Uh, I've had eight bosses. Did you hear about the cover sheet? <laughs> Putting the cover sheet on that shit. I worked for Safeway. I only did corporate America for three years, and I did it like a corporate grocery store. So I got like the light version of it. I don't think I could have survived the full corporate version because the light corporate version was stupid. And I was 22 and knew it was stupid. So I was like, isn't there supposed to be smarter people than me <laughs> up there? I, this is Then I realized, wait a second. The people at the top aren't necessarily as smart or as good as the people at the bottom all the time. Like it's kind of a revelation for me because I'd never done corporate before. So I did three years and that that was that was enough for me. So Mark. We we set a plan in place many years ago that uh, you know my my wife our our, our tag is hashtag twenty twenty, June twenty twenty. And, uh, you got a hashtag. Got a hashtag. I fucking yeah. love it. Everything she puts on her Facebook is hashtag June 2020. Um, we got a, a, our son graduated this year. He's going to Arizona State, leaves next week. Uh, Congratulations, man. Yeah. And then our daughter's a, a senior this coming year. And as soon as she's gone, we're packing up and we're moving to North Carolina. Fucking A, man. And uh, buying a place on the beach and living down there. That's awesome. Where at North Carolina? Just out of curiosity. Uh, we're between Carolina Beach and, and Curry Beach. Mm. We've kind of traveled up and down the coast and picked out where we want to be. And we're within probably a two-mile stretch of where we're going to buy at. So That's awesome, That man. is awesome. Yeah, so we're probably going to you know, do a 1031, one of the storage places, into a place down there. Maybe buy a, a duplex and I'll manage one side and live in the other. 
So I got a year to get you on the podcast before I lose you to the beach forever. It sounds like, you right? I could do it at the beach house. That'd be cool. I've not been to the beaches of North Carolina in a long time. When I was back in the Navy, we partied pretty hard on those beaches, so especially Myrtle Beach. Yeah, we love it down there. It's just it's gorgeous. Lost my dog tags there, though, pissing me off to this day. I don't know why I give a shit about my dog tags, but I got super drunk. We went swimming in the ocean in the middle of the night, and I woke up the next morning, no fucking dog tags. I don't know why I care about these dog tags, but I do. They're somewhere in the water, buried in sand, and Myrtle Beach. I can't remember exactly where, because it's back when I used to drink and drug and all that horse shit. So, but yeah, they're, they're there somewhere. I had a lot of good times. So for you, the goal and the end in mind, that, that has been the the benefit to leaving your job yeah yeah i mean beach life there's 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 a ton to it you know there's there's the freedom of doing what we want to do when we want to do it you know where we want to do it um you know i the transition for me was fairly smooth um before i turned in my notice i had put in uh, a refi on three of my houses the cash out refi pulled a chuck of change out and bought a flip house and so my first day out of work was going in and destroying another house. And I basically flipped the house by myself. And I spent three months of just trying to map out what the, the rest of the rest of life is going to be. And kind of took that time to kind of just decompress and figure it out. I like that you're doing the lifestyle thing. Tommy Desmond is kind of doing the lifestyle thing. I don't think yeah, everybody. We, we talk a lot about it. Yeah. yeah. Like. So if your goal is to sell a ton of shit, that's cool. If your goal is to go fucking hang out on the beach with your family, I think that's fucking cool too. I think sometimes we're too limited. Like, don't get me wrong. I love big numbers and selling things and all that. But Gary Vee says it all the time. What's your fucking plan, right? Like who cares what, forget what everybody else wants, right? What do you, what do you want to do? Mark wants to go hang out on the beach in North Carolina with his family. Dave wants to chill with his dogs, hanging out, hanging out <laughs> with much. his wife, right? Yeah. Brad, are you making more babies over there? Is four enough? Right? Like, I see. I see your plan. Besides the babies, uh, what, what, is, what is your plan, sir? And how has it been since you left your job? Well, I like being able to control my time. That's probably the biggest thing. Is uh, like Dave was saying, what do I want to do today? You know, whatever the heck I want, right? Um, so, I, yeah, I don't miss the commute, but I do miss listening to podcasts on the you know forty-five minutes hour on the way in on the way back. I don't, I don't get that time now. Um, you know, I miss the social aspect of, of jobs, uh, having all these people to hang out with, go to lunch. Uh, uh, yeah, Dave, like a built in social group, right? So yeah. you had to, have you made a new one or? Yeah. 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 It's yeah. not quite as built in though. So it's a little, it, it's a lot. Put different. effort in, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I don't miss, uh, you've got to go to China next week for a week. I'm like, <laughs> Okay, that's I don't want to go to China next week. Or Mexico might be a dangerous area, uh, even if it's a fun place. Uh, you know, I'd rather do it on my on my schedule. Um, now, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sleeping more. Other than till baby came recently here. Um, Are you saying babies ruin sleep? Yes. All right. Yeah. I think I think we're all pretty sure of that one, yes, right? Yes, they do. <laughs> Unless yes, you get very do. lucky. We all hear those stories, but yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm doing uh, apartment coaching right now for Michael Blanks. Program. I did not know that. So how's um, that going? Really good. I've got about ten students at any given time. Uh, they're around the country, so that's kind of a cool thing for uh, you know social kind of impact to helping people out. 
So well, that produces a little income too, does. right? So that's okay. So you got apartments. Do you still have houses? You get rid of all no the houses. houses. No more houses. Just apartments, and you have some coaching income for right. apartments. Okay. Right. Yep. And then we're building a house right now, so it's on a ten-acre lot. So I'm becoming a little bit of a farmer like you. Sweet. Right Bought a tractor, clearing land. Dude. Um, Fruit trees, berries, yeah. like shit that just comes back every year. Mm-hmm. I plant more and more perennials every year and less and less annuals because it's kind of like a rental, right? Yeah, exactly. Why do flips all the time? We don't have to, right? Perennials are like your rentals in the permaculture farming world, right? People are getting, what the fuck is this guy talking about? <laughs> Grow your own food, fuckers. That's what it is you should do. You know, if you plant things, they'll just give you food all the time, right? Exactly. Which is awesome. You can plant a lot of shit with 10 That's acres, true. Brad. There's yeah. already a lot of apple trees there. That's fucking awesome. That's pretty cool. If do you need somebody to prune your trees? <laughs> if I prune your trees, can I keep the apple wood? I'm just throwing that out there. You don't have to answer now. I'm just saying in the future because I, I am looking. Check it out sometime. I'm looking at for some apple wood smoke. I, I oh, smoke a lot go. of food. You see where I'm going yeah. now with this? Yeah, okay. there you go. What about your biggest mistake or regret going out on your own or or before you left or? Uh, the doing it sooner is the biggest regret. Yeah, everybody says sooner. Uh, yeah. Jumping in with both feet though. Uh, I knew if I didn't do that, that would be my big, biggest life regret. If I didn't give this a, a, a go to, um, retire from corporate early anyway, you know, I wouldn't say I'm retired, but you know, a lot of my family members joke that I am, but, um, I've got a lot going on. You're retired from corporate America. Exactly. You got your you got your own damn thing going right. on. Yeah. So that that would have been my biggest regret if I didn't give it my all and, and jump in. That's an excellent point. I haven't talked about this before on the podcast, but I felt like I had to do it. Like even if I fucked it up and I fell completely I felt like I had to take my quote unquote shot, right? However you want to, you'll look at it. I had a lot, I felt this, um, and I've always kind of felt it too. I don't know. I had this internal drive that I could do something more and I could do something better. I didn't know what it was a lot, what it was for a lot of years. But when I found real estate, I felt like I had to do it like immediately, which is why I did and why I fucked a lot of shit up. Right. But I felt huge, compelling urge. Like, I'm 26. What's better time to take my shot than now if I'm going to fuck some shit up, right? So I felt very strongly compelled to do it. I felt the same thing with the wholesaling too when I got back into it. I don't know why I had the itch. So maybe you just have an itch you have to you have to scratch too. What? But this be a little bit more high C, right? Loss of opportunity. People always think, okay. When we're looking at risk and we're analyzing risk and we're looking at the numbers, there's also a loss of opportunity. When you say yes to one thing, you're saying no to other things. And when you say no to one thing, you're saying yes to other things. So yeah. What about if you don't do it? But yeah. I didn't, I didn't want to look back. You know, I've, I've heard it a lot of times mentioned just other coaches, you know, whatever life coaches always say, you know, if you don't take a shot, you may look back one day and say you regret it. If I hadn't left my job right now, I'd be sitting at the de- – I wouldn't be here. You know, I'd be sitting at my cubicle pissed that I didn't take it or even almost feel like a failure that I should have taken it or like a like a coward kind of thing. Like, yeah. why didn't you go? You know it will work out. The math says it will work out. You're, you're okay. Your wife's still working if you're not okay. You know, so just that type of thing. I felt like if I didn't do it, you know, because you kind of like – the government or the, the world wants a bunch of bitches, right? They want you to yeah. go to school. Do what we tell you to do. Get a job. 
pay them forever. Yes. And as much as you can. Yeah. By the time you realize what that is, you're in the massive debt and all this other stuff, you know? So I didn't want to do that anymore. I just wanted to, okay, if I fail, you know what, then I'm going <laughs> to, that's going to suck. But at least I tried. I can look back and say, well, I took a shot. You know, how many people don't take a shot that kind of wish they would or, you know, so, yeah. Well, for me too, I looked at other people's lives. My dad joined the Navy, did yeah. three years in the Navy. And didn't get, don't get me wrong. He got, I think he got a lot for it, but it, not really. Not when you, yeah, not mom, when you add it all up, yeah. right? When you account for everything, all the money, all the benefits, all the time, and then all the lost opportunity. I don't think people always think about the lost opportunity. I've seen many examples too of people who work 40 years, get out, retire, die of a fucking heart attack. Happened to my, one of my good friends, dads. I couldn't fucking believe it when it happened. I've seen people, this was the worst part, right? 2007 through 2009, the ones who are getting ready to retire and then couldn't. Yeah. That was very shocking for me. It started for me in 2005. I think it was MCI. There was a bunch of them when the corporations, this is before the crash, they went bankrupt and everybody got bought out for five or 10 cents on the dollar. And that was really the last pen for me. I was like, oh, so fuck. Just kidding. Okay. You get to the end of your life and ah, here's five cents on the dollar. Yeah. Congratulations. Well, Mark, How do you like the Starbucks at the airport? Cause you're going to be spending yeah. a few years at it now. Well, right. You, like, you said your dad was, you watched your dad. Yeah. He worked yeah. until he was seven yeah. years old yeah. and then I mean, spent the next 10 years going to the doctor and then he passed yeah. away. Yep. My, my mom, you know, my dad left us when I was seven and my mom was left with two kids and no education. And so she started busting her ass two, you know, she had two jobs and she had no education. So she was doing like 24 credits a semester through this community college to get a machine or machinist degree. So then she could go work in a 110 degree factory, you know, so she killed herself. And now she has like 841 a month in government. You know? Yeah. And she's 70, you know, so she's, you know, luckily she's got her house paid off in that, but she's, she's got a roommate, you know, and she's going to struggle like that. I don't want to struggle like that. You know, so yeah, it's a big motivator to watch that, you know, and you just, that's what you're going to get if you keep, if you don't be careful and you don't plan, even if you're, you know, if you, hopefully you're a saver, but most people are not. So if you don't take initiative, I think that's where you're ending up. I mean, it's plenty of examples. Well, my grandma Wanda worked in a fucking sawmill for 30 years and died at 62 of cancer in a one bedroom apartment with no car living on social security. That was one of my examples too. I looked at that. We go visit her in her house where she drank Pepsi, hams, and smoked cigarettes on oxygen 100% in a one bedroom apartment. Can't even afford a car. And we had to help her sometimes. And I was like, hmm, I don't think I want that. Sawmill, I get that's pretty roughneck though. Not too many people doing sawmill work anymore, but, but you get the idea. You could do it in corporate America. You could do it anywhere, right? I would rather regret the things I do. Than the things I don't do. That is kind of my default. But it doesn't I doesn't feel like it at the time, though. If you're, but yeah, I think down the road you look back and you're like, well, at least I tried. Yeah. Well, for, if, if everything goes to hell in a handbasket, I always go back and get another job. That's exactly what I was going to pose that out to you guys. If you wanted to, yeah, you can go out and get another job right now if you absolutely had to, right? Yeah. So shit. That's another little opportunity. I always forget about that. <laughs> yeah. I always forget about that. Walmart, <laughs> you have a great day. You look great in those tight pants. <laughs> you might want to consider a bigger shirt next time, but I'm just throwing <laughs> it out there. 
I went to the Walmart for the first time because uh, Gina found me. These are great. They're uh, overalls that are uh, all America stripe, like America flag. But we had to go to three Walmarts to find a size that fit my fat ass because I, I got a 40-inch waist but a 30-inch inseam. So I'm like a gorilla. I'm all body and no leg. So I went to three Walmarts for the first time in like five years. So that's very like, no, thank you. You don't want to end up being the greeter at the <laughs> do what you got to do. But if you could avoid that, that would be even better. What does your day look like now? I'm just curious. What does your day look like now? Because here's my day. I wake up between 4.30 and 5.30, depending how fucked up my back is or how late I stayed up the night before. I try and prospect for at least two hours in the morning. Then I try and look at deals for at least two hours in the morning. I want at least an hour a day of negotiating on contracts, right? And then I need at least four hours to drive around, do punch lists, look at new properties, drive comps, shit like that. Then I come back home and I try and catch up on my text, email before I pass out, right? That's what my day looks like, but I have a very active, I'm trying to build a real estate team. This is not what these guys are doing. It's not passive. I'm not there yet. Still, I've done well. But I stole people some money. I got to get to where I can get that passive stuff. But now that you guys are free, what does your day look like now? Let's give people a little something to look forward to, right? So what what time do you wake up? How do you go about your day? How do you schedule your day? What do you do during your day, Monday through Sunday? What does it look like now? <clears throat> I'll start. <laughs> I, I wake up around 7 usually, so not not waking up super early. Uh this is asterisks with the baby, right? <laughs> so normally I wake up around seven, um, kind of stumble around groggy a little bit, uh, work out every, every other day, probably. Um, you know, got coaching, my coaching schedule varies all over the place, but, uh, you know, I'm hanging out with my family most days. Uh, so I'm stay at home. Dad is, that's probably my main, my main job. Isn't your wife a stay-at-home wife? She is. So they got two stay-at-home parents. That's pretty sweet. All right. So, um, you know, I'm not hitting the hitting the ground real hard buying properties right now. Uh, one or two a year is is really my goal. Well, apartments are kind of a little different thing mm-hmm. too, right? Yeah, I mean, it's huge cash. Yeah. Outlays when you well, you got to look at more, and there's not as many opportunities mm-hmm. too, right? So there's way more single-family homes than there are apartments. So it just takes longer to get a deal in yeah. general. Well, and I'm, I'm much pickier now, so I'm not going to go buy something in a war zone because I don't need to. You know, I don't need the cash flow from these. This is uh, just additional cushion or compounding my money more. So uh, I can be very picky about what I'm buying now. So so I'm not hitting it super hard. Um, but, yeah, property or two a year is... How many hours a week of coaching you think you're doing? Four. four. That's not too bad. Yeah, that's pretty. Yeah, life's looking good over there, Brad. Yeah, it's not so bad. Four beautiful kids, beautiful wife. You know, got to do four hours of work, mandatory per week, and then uh, then casually look for apartments, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you fly and go look at them, or how do you? No, how do you... generally they're local. Okay, so yeah, you're looking pretty local. Usually, how many hours a day do you think you spend looking for apartments? On average, yeah, half hour. Half okay, not that much. All right, life's changed a lot for you then, hasn't it? Way yeah, so we got yeah. lifestyle over here too. Yeah. yeah, so I don't, I don't need anymore. It's just uh, if I need somewhere to place some money, then then we're looking, but we're not killing ourselves looking. Okay, Dave. 
Um, I generally get up, you know, I was getting up for work at five. So now I get up at about six and I feel like if I'm at, if I, if I'm in bed at seven, I feel like half the day is gone kind of thing. I don't know why my, my clock, I just get up at six and I'll, now I'm taking the dogs for a walk, right? You know, as soon as we get up, they know. So they start chirping at me right away. So I'll do that. And then, uh, they do. Yeah. You're trying to, trying to get in a routine of working out in the morning. It's super hard. I used to be like a machine when I was working out. I was before real estate, you know, real estate throws your schedule off. Especially if you let it, you know, so you're, you can't, if you're trying to build in that, you've got to go where the deals are whenever, you know, and so my routine got all whacked. But that's a good point. Yeah. I do better with a routine. So yeah. I had to create my own routine. Yeah. Some people like Tommy Desmond, he fuck routine, no routine yeah. for routine for him is failure. Right. So we're all a little different that way. Yeah. I had to structure my routine. Is that kind of what you're kind of I'm trying to get there? Yeah. yeah. You know, right before I quit my job, I had this structure like you just kind of mentioned with yours. I'm going to do this and this and this yeah. and that has not happened. Uh, I I almost don't want it to happen yet, I guess. You know, I'm kind of like enjoying that. I don't have to have that. And uh, like I was going to join a bowling league. I used to I used to be a bowler on a league, and I got away from that just because I got tired of it. But now I've got the time. I wanted to do that, but now I I almost don't want to commit to stuff like that because I don't want to have to do it. You know, you're pretty fresh out. Too. Yeah, I'm yeah. pretty fresh out. Yeah. Right, and, still a little wet behind yeah. the ears. Yeah. So, what am I doing with my new life? <laughs> Anything I want. Uh, I'm so, walking the dogs, uh, going fishing too. Right. Yeah. 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 I uh, I like to do that, and then um, I don't know. Most of the day, you know, I'm just kind of. I guess. You know, as I have the auto email set up for single family and whatever multifamily comes, I'm always checking the sites and stuff. But uh, I would say I'd probably spend like an hour a day on real estate, maybe, you know, just whatever. Life is good. Yeah, dude. it's Life nice to have good. that. Just to not have to do anything. You know, it's kind of nice. That's awesome. It's funny. Most of the days I am woken up by my dogs. Yeah. You get the nudge. Hey, you're going to pet me and let me outside? I got to go to the bathroom. And by the way, breakfast would be awesome right about now. <laughs> No kids yet, but I almost always get the nudge from 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 dogs. Mark, uh, I'm somewhat embarrassed to say that I'm happy if I have pants on by noon. <laughs> hey, man, <laughs> these goals are yours, right? I don't think I've seen Tommy Desmond not in sweatpants for that's, like a year, right? That is like cool. that's kind of a running joke between the two of us. Yeah. Hey, I put pants on for you today. So. <laughs> this is a different stage of life, right? The suffering, a lot of the suffering's already done. You could you could do a little bit more. You hear that, people? There was lots of suffering for a long time, and now they only have to suffer relatively when they want to, right? So it just turns out I fucking love suffering. Also, I have such bad ADD that if I don't have a routine or schedule, I could spend two hours looking at a caterpillar, right? Like, I'm just like, man, that's fucking cool. What are you doing now? Man, look at you eat that dill, right? Like, wait, what was I doing again? (laughs) I got to be pretty regimented in my life. It's good because I get a shit ton of energy. It's bad because I get distracted by butterflies and shit like that, so... You live in a good laugh over there. I wouldn't say that. It's just, uh, you know, a lot of the stuff we do, or I do, is, uh, you know, I, I'm monitoring emails. I'm, uh, you know, we have a, an aggregating service that will feed us leads for, for storage. And anytime they come in, I forward them to our call center. Uh, I interact with the call center if they have any questions, things like that. I mean, so it's, it's mostly just monitoring emails and texts, um, Every Friday, I go to the post office and pick up checks and take them to the bank. I like that. Yeah, it's. Uh, I like picking up checks. It's one of the funner things to do in real estate. Yeah, with, with the new purchase, I'm spending a lot more time on the road. Uh, this one's over in Michigan Center, close to Jackson. 
And so, unfortunately, I'm driving three days a week over there until I get it turned around and get some money in place to manage it. How long do you think it'll take to turn that one around, you think? Just out of curiosity. Probably, probably three months. That's not bad. And, and, and most of the wheels are in motion right now. Um, it'll be just getting all the repairs done to it, and then it's just a matter of getting somebody in place and getting them trained on our systems. Fucking it. You hear that, people? That sounds pretty good. It, maybe. I don't know what you want to do. Dave wants to hang out with this cat piss photo and his dogs and go fishing. <laughs> you know, want to go traveling. There's a little something for everybody here. I like working, frankly, and I, I do better with a load, so that's what I do. I like to keep my ass fucking busy. It's, well, yeah, you can get uh, more. I'm manager over in Michigan Center. If you want to go over <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I'm doing something a little different over here. Plus, I will. I, everybody knows this who's ever worked with me. Management is not in my wheelhouse. That's why I hired a transaction coordinator. Best fucking thing I ever did. That was the best thing I ever did. When I became a real estate agent, I went right to a team. Know what you suck at. Paperwork, management, scheduling. I can do it, but I'm not good at it. And I can pay Kelly, and she's way better at it than I do, too. So if you suck at something, don't worry. We all suck at something, right? So that is awesome what you guys have done. I like how you've done it for yourselves too that doesn't sound like you guys did it for anybody else either i get a lot of people coming to rdi it sounds like their parents talking to me or their spouse talking to me or something else right quote unquote what they should do and you guys just figured out what you wanted and went and did it so who gives a fuck what everybody else wants what do you want to do what plan can you put in place and how can you go out and do it and however it looks is however it looks. I like to keep my ass busy. I go early in the morning, late at night, but I'm in a different spot too. I want to get to the point where I can, I'm looking for a 50,000 acre farm. That's what I want. 50,000 acre farm. And I hope I die working on it. Or if I can't, I want to get into a bear stabbing contest, something. That's how I want to go out. So we all have our own thing, right? I want to go out with my boots on or in this case, my Crocs, cause I still can't get fucking boots on. It's almost been a year since my surgery, but it still sucks. I got to wear these Crocs. I can't wear boots, you gotta, but you get my point. You got to help me convince Tara because I want to live on the beach when we, whenever we retire, you know, all the way at the, you know, toward the end of our lives. But I'd like to hashtag her- 2020. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> Did you just say your your main regret was waiting too long? Yes, I'm just throwing that out there. But I got to get her to leave Michigan because she thinks that hurricanes are horrible, and you know, so I I want to go somewhere on the ocean and. Well, I can help her out. Hurricane is a season. Yeah. Well, I'm just throwing that her, out there. You don't have to hang around during her. I've been through five hurricanes. Yeah. I lived in Florida and Guam, both uh, all together for, I think, six and a half years. First of all, yes, it is bad, but it's not that bad. Second of all, by this point in your life, you could just fly somewhere else for six months. There is right? a little something called Airbnb, right? Here you go. I like that, too. And coincidentally, that period of time is also when your highest rental rates are, too. So Ooh. you move out, you let people rent your stuff, and then you live somewhere else. Yeah. That's convenient. So what, is, she, is it just hurricanes she's afraid of? She just, I think. What about like, earthquakes? She, afraid she of doesn't her? like those either. She, that's why okay. she likes Michigan, because really nothing happens weather-related. Nothing happens maybe, a, Michigan, <laughs> so. maybe a tornado, maybe. <laughs> but it never, it seems to go Except around. fucking February it's happens. I love Michigan except for February. I could, I could, although now I'm getting more into ice fishing. It's not quite as bad. If you have something to do, it's a little better, but we got to figure out someplace warm. Where's no hurricane? San Diego, there's no hurricanes, but you got to deal with the earthquake. 
Yeah. You could do that part. I don't know. I don't know. care what's a little shaken. I don't fucking know. Yeah. Point being, lots of things you could do. Is there anything you guys want to share that I haven't asked about? Because I had a bunch of questions, and I had a pretty good idea where I wanted to go on this podcast, but I may not have covered everything during your guy's journey, right? Sounds like you had a pretty decent plan. You created a repeatable process. You had W-2 income. You can get loans, single family homes into apartments and now storage units, right? Refi out. You rolled all your money forward. Mark's case still got the same 40 grand, which is fucking awesome, right? I feel like if you're going to leave money to somebody, you're doing a good job when you do that. Like if they were still around, they'd be like, I'm glad I left you that. That forty grand. That doesn't happen very often. I think most of the time. Yeah. So you've kept that whole damn thing rolling, but have I left anything out of the journey that you guys think you want to share? It could be anything. And I'll give you an opportunity to plug something too. But this is just for shit I may have missed. So I wish I could convince more people to get out of the four oh one K trap. You know, like uh well, explain it. What is the 401k trap and 99% why? 99% of the country, is, that's their retirement plan. And so I'm putting money into 401k. And then I turn 60 or so and start. Then I can then I can retire because they say I can retire then. Um, <laughs> if I have enough money to retire at that point. You know, I you, you just can't bank on that. Who knows what your returns are going to be? Um, you can change the laws too. Yeah, the tax rates. What are they going to tax you at then? Um, I just... I wish I could convince more people to uh, think outside of that 401k box and uh, take some control over their investments. But like you said earlier, everyone's too afraid that they're going to fail, uh, that that they never even get started in it. So I, I just wish that I could convince more people, you know, it's the water's warm over here. Come yeah, on. do it. it if it makes try. you feel better, the government already failed. So you have a better shot than them, right? Does anybody feel like they're going to get Social Security or any like, no, right? If you're over the age of 50, I think you realize that shit ain't happening for you, right? I think we'll get something, but maybe it's 25% of Yeah, exactly. It'll, it'll be like my – so my grandma, you used to be able to barely live on Social Security. Now you can't, right? right? So who knows? You fast forward 20 years, that's not going to be better, I don't think. Not at all. No. I'd rather have the money I paid into it and invest it myself than let them have it. Yeah, that's an excellent exactly. point too. If you're self-employed – yeah, you, you're not you're not necessary. There's lots of ways to get around not paying that, and you can do different things. 401k too. A lot of as you brought up, you can only start withdrawing except for certain exceptions. What if you got to start drawing at a bad time, right? Like if you had a 401k in 2009, and that's when you were planning on beginning your first draw, that's probably pretty fucking sad time, right? Now you're taking money out when you just lost half your portfolio. That's and they make you take money out at a certain point, and you have to take money out. And if it's not taxed before, most 401ks are not. They're pre-tax. Then you're paying tax on it. So that's what he's talking about. If you just look at the fees that are charged on 401ks. It's just it's criminal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The only ones making money on your 401k are the 401k companies. Yeah. And I read Tony Rupp. Yeah, compounded over time. That's it's so much money. I read Anthony Robbins' book um, on money, and you can sum it up like this. If you're going to invest in the stock market, buy indexes and buy the cheapest index you possibly can with the absolute lowest fees you possibly can and just buy the market, 
And if you do anything else, you're literally just wasting your money. This is if you're going to play the stock market at all. Go read the book. I'm not an expert, but like well, that's the game you're playing. That's the game plan. If you're going to do that kind of thing, that or there's alternatives, which is what we're talking about over here. And maybe you have a 401k, but let's maybe not make it the only well, the first thing fucking I did, thing, right? As soon as I quit my job, I called and I, I started calling IRA companies that you can lend or you can use, you can buy real estate in. So I t- immediately got that money moved. So now I just lend it, you know. So did you take the penalty on it or no? No, I didn't cash it out. I just okay. I transferred it. So you still kept it pre-tax, correct? But okay. I have it as a self-directed IRA so that you can. Lend so you can it touch it now. Yeah, I right? wanted it out of the stock market as fast as I could get it out. So you like no stock market whatsoever. I don't like anything. You're so far away from the control of that stock. You know, you there, there's so many layers between you and that stock that you have. You just hope and pray that that thing will be a lot higher in the long run. Well, yeah, that shit's so corrupt too. too. Yeah, that, if you're just holding, if you're just holding with inflation, you're not really making money. You're just holding serve. I always wonder why people who bought stocks too. That's one thing after I read the Anthony Robbins, but like nobody can pick. Like there's yeah. such there's so few people who have been okay at picking that the only thing you should ever do in the stock market if you do anything is buy indexes and buy the cheapest fucking ones you can and get as many taxes as you can. Otherwise, you just lose. Well, I picked a couple and I got annihilated. Yeah, I got I picked a couple of oil stocks. You know, when the barrels of oil were trading at like a hundred, and then it got cut to went down to like thirty eight. I got annihilated and uh, I mean like sixty grand annihilated. You know and um, I bought Lynn Energy, which went out of business. And, you know, again, you're like, oh, just hold on. It'll come back. And that one didn't. No. I bought a tech company called Acme Packet that got bought out, but at a much lower price than I paid. So I've had, I've had failure there. And, uh, no, you know, if my house price value goes down, I'll still have the house. I can still rent it. And then hopefully it comes back later. But, yeah, that's how I feel about it now. During the the downturn too, some people, not everybody, some people saw their rents go down a little bit, right? But some people saw, especially later during the downturn, saw their rents go up. And one of the reasons why so many people went into foreclosure, they needed a place to live too. So not always, but usually if something's going bad, there's there's some area they're being pushed to, right? Like you can't flip now from 2008 through 2010, but if you're getting into rentals, it was a fucking amazing time to get in rentals because people are getting kicked out. So there's there's more opportunities too. You kind of tie it in with a 401k, especially the traditional one. It's very yeah. restrictive, and if you want to pivot, there's not much you can do to pivot. So you just got the shit out. Yeah. No more 401k. I'm doing self directed IRA, right? Okay. Yeah. Mark. Well, I I rolled my number into solo 401k, and there's a little bit. A little bit more control. Mine's all checkbook. You're not dealing with what is the UBIT or, or whatever it is you get charged with the with the uh, IRAs. Uh, but going back to your your question, I, I think probably my thing is you know I hear so many people say, "But what about insurance?" I you know we kind of had the same thing that you know I, I wasn't uh, on insurance at my work because my wife was a teacher. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, so our plan was, well, she's going to keep her insurance and continue teaching. And we started looking at it, and then they started doing their uh, negotiations on contracts, and they're taking a little bit more away, a little bit more away. And we just looked at it, like, you know, what the hell are we doing? So we started looking. I mean, it's it's not cheap. You know, it's seven eight hundred dollars a month. But you know, what is your freedom? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, 
is that really a reason to stay at a job is just because of insurance and you know they say the security of a job how secure is it how many people I mean we lost probably 50% of our workforce in 2008 2009 yeah. I watched guys that were 55 60 years old getting locked out with boxes and they didn't have shit to hold on to by security guards probably yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and after years of faithful service mm-hmm. yep and you know so there, there's no stability in that so that's why we decided to do something different. Yeah, it's definitely a false dichotomy. It's kind of like when they call it the Patriot Act and you read it and there's not much patriotic about it. Like, wait a second. Hold on. So this is not this is not what you're selling. Like, wait, wait a second here. Yeah. So why you name it? Yeah. And health insurance is a really good point. I don't know how many people say, well, what do you do about insurance? Like it's I pay it every month. <laughs> yep. Whatever I want to or not, I pay it. Exactly. I I've had that from so many people. Uh, like mine was thirteen hundred a month with the with the three dollars kids. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, is it fifteen now with the fourth? I don't know yet. <laughs> yeah, it's going to go up. I'll, you're kind of putting your finger barely on something, but that's something you can do at home. Is just go add it up. Mm-hmm. What What are your benefits? Dig through it. He brought up a great point. I didn't work for a union very long, but when I was in a bakery, I was part of some shitty confectioners, grain, whatever union and they tell you what your benefits are and you can go put that it's not a free market anymore but you can go put that to a market quote unquote market solution and what does that cost you for me and gina it's 800 dollars a month right so maybe instead of this what am i going to do about it? maybe just go put it on paper put it in the spreadsheet do a little high c stuff okay what is this benefit i'm getting add it all up and then weigh weigh it out too Definitely don't just do a 401k though. Brad is right. Cause that is way, way too restrictive. Nothing wrong with having it necessarily, but I don't know if you'd want to make it your one thing. Cause what if you're just unlucky? What if you're just unlucky and the time you're getting out is a time when even if you did it right, only indexes, lowest fees possible, avoid as much tax as possible. You can still just be unlucky in timing. You're just getting old at the wrong time. You're going to lose half of it as soon as you start pulling it out. Yep. So what are you, you going to – you probably want a slightly better plan than that. That's a good point. You want someone telling you when you can pull it out? I, yeah. I don't. No. <laughs> I want to retire when I want to retire. Yeah. There's a lot of post-tax stuff you can do too. We won't get into it. Some people like I say, are taxes going to go up or down? I look at the debt and I go up, right? So I'd rather pay as much taxes now than in the future. But that is a little bit of a gamble, right? We don't really know. Maybe it makes sense to have a little bit of both. I don't know. But – Add it up, folks. Maybe when you're doing your little spreadsheet, you get to the end and go, maybe I should go do this shit for myself, right? Would Obviously, none of us are stupid, but I wouldn't say we are uh, geniuses either, right? Like this is approachable stuff. You can learn. This is like a trade, right? This is – I tell people, like, how do you learn again in the real estate? Well, I don't know. You can kind of get some coaching in certain areas, right? But there's not a school you go to. It's a trade you can learn, and so long as you have a 90 IQ, I'm pretty fucking sure you can do this, and I'm not even sure that's true. Some of this shit is so simple. If you can just make yourself do it, you might not even need a 90 IQ. This is simpler than you think it is in comparison to how complicated your current life is. Your well, cat- even if you start and you do it wrong the first time, look at what you just yeah, figured out. Yeah, do it again. Yeah, then yeah. make sure you do it again because you just went through it and got the lesson. So now you'll be right. I mean, you know, this seems like it's, idiot, it's almost yeah. idiot proof. You know, you kind of, if you keep at it. Well, having lost a lot too, and don't get me wrong, it was bad. Failure isn't as bad as you imagine it. 
the fear in your head is worse than reality. And I've done two pretty bad crashes too. And I'm not being light when I say it wasn't that bad. Don't get me wrong. It was terrible. But what I had imagined in my head and what really happened as bad as it was, not, not the same thing. It's the fear of the thing is worse than actually doing it. Go fuck up your life. You didn't die. Just a little bit. Maybe not a bad. Go fuck it up a little bit. Give it a shot. I think you're capable of uh, – the more I do it, the more I realize what I'm capable of. And I think we're all capable of more than we think we are. And unfortunately, I think a lot of times, kind of like in the Matrix when you're sitting in that cubicle or an office space, we feel smaller than we really are and we feel less capable than we really are. Look at your dumbass bosses. They're so smart they had to fire half the people in 2008 and nine, right? I don't know. That seems like failure. I think you could probably do a little better than that. It's easy to fall into catastrophic thinking. Yeah. I mean, if we have a house on the market or something and we felt it should be selling at this price and all of a sudden we're going to take 5000 less, it's easy to, you know, it's just it's easy to go into this catastrophic mode like, "Oh my god, I'm a moron. I should have done that." You know, it, instead, dude, you're still making 25 instead of 30. Right. Or, you you know, even if you lose five grand, you only lost five grand. You know, it's not the end of the world. It's a $100,000 project. So you got 95 now. And yeah. not a, you know you know what I mean? You, you just paid for the lesson. You can go to college and pay 100 k to learn really nothing useful. Or you can pay 5 k and, you know, touch the stove and get burned and then figure it out. Don't touch the stove next time. Well, I think of it like this, too. You can let the corporation fuck up your life, or you can go fuck up your life and get the benefit from it, right? At least you won't have any regret. There you go, right? I, I, at least I haven't seen anybody nailing it so hard I go tie myself to a corporation for the rest of my life, right? I mean, just look around. Everybody else is fucking failing all the time, too. Jump in. Get your feet wet. Water's fine. It's not that bad, especially if you do it like you guys have done it. You know, there's... it. There are horror stories out there, but I think there are more success stories and more people have figured it out than most people realize. Nobody goes around talking about how well somebody did. When, when you, Brad, when they came to you, what were they saying? We could lose everything, right? That, that's what you hear. All your relatives are. You don't hear the, the other side. Just go fuck it up and figure it out, right? Be smart about it, though. I think most of them want you to fail. Yeah. If you're walking out, they want you to fail. Yeah. There's absolutely that crabs in a pot, right? I don't have to deal with that anymore, but right there, Mark was the first 33 years of my life. Everybody in my family wanted me to fail. They were looking forward to it. When it happened, they were gleeful and I'm not exaggerating there. There are people, but fuck them. Who cares? Go, go do, go do your own thing. It's not that bad. Is there anything you guys want to talk about? Or plug, because I appreciate you taking time out of your not-so-busy, wonderful days now that you're kind of chilling with the dogs, maybe putting pants on. (laughs) I'm going to put pants on next week, I think. Uh, Not this week. But is there anything you want to share or talk about or plug that we haven't talked about? And I will make sure to to plug your contact info at the end. But now's your shot. Go for it. Or if you're looking for anything, it doesn't matter. This is your. I appreciate your time and sharing today with everybody. Uh, I'm downriver exclusively, so uh, Wyandotte, Southgate, Flat Rock, Woodhaven. Always looking for deals. Uh, any deal, really. Um, Cash buyer. Yeah, yep. Yeah, uh, in commercial apartments and self storage, and I'll consider just about anything. Um, and I've sold the Dave. Yeah. Super easy. Yes. To work with. Try to make it as easy as yep. possible. Yep. Did ex- put it in. 
We accepted his offer. He did exactly everything he said he was going to do. I wish I could do a million more like that. Thank so, you. Thank yeah. You. And, uh, but we're just trying to, um, do more deals all the time. And so, by the way, though, there's always, there always seems to be enough deals for everybody. You know, when I first got in, I go, there's only so many houses. How can everyone have enough? Sure enough, you got guys around here doing hundreds of deals a year, still deals. Yep. There. So don't think, you know, if you can't find one, you're just not around the right crowd. You know, maybe, Come to a meetup. Somebody's got a deal. You know, it's amazing, right? Everyone's rehabbing, yet there's still tons of houses to rehab. There's always opportunity. Always opportunity. Yeah. Yep. Just gotta look for it. Uh, this is Brad. I'm looking for apartments still, so with some kind of value add component to it. So whether the rents are low or the vacancies high, or some kind of opportunity to to make it work better. What about coaching? You're doing the coaching thing? Yeah, are you looking? Are you uh, looking for any more? Yeah, yeah, I, I take students on okay. still, but uh, the workload's pretty full as far as uh, students coming in. But yeah, if uh, if you're interested, give me a shout. Okay. So apartments? Are you looking just southeast Michigan or Michigan in general? Mostly Michigan. Okay. Um, we've looked a little bit in Ohio, Indiana, a little bit, but uh, yeah, um, any of those states would be fine. He's a buyer. Mark, anything you want to share? Anything you're looking for? Obviously, storage units, right? Yeah, I mean, we're always looking for them. I mean, we're, we're, we're in pretty good shape right now. We've got our hands full with the, the latest one. But, uh, Somebody has a killer deal on a house in, on the beach in North Carolina. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> get, a, get a nice place on the beach in North Carolina. I, I want to talk to you. Or if, or if somebody had money burn a hole in their pocket and wanted to partner on a storage unit, you wouldn't say no to that? Probably so. All right. Or what if – can I throw this out here? What if somebody – no, all right, not for Mark, but for the rest of you guys. What if somebody had some questions about their plan or leaving their job? No, obviously, you're not financial planners. Folks, don't take advantage of that. But if it's just a, a quick question, would you guys be willing to answer some questions from people if they reached out? I don't think it's that hard or that intimidating people. I think you just got to get over it in your head. But if you have some questions, um, reach out to those people. All right. Is there anything else? Thank you for coming and doing this podcast. I think this will help a lot of people. I like how we had three different, very different perspectives, similar in some ways, but very different in other ways. And if you didn't hear exactly what your plan is or whatever, maybe you just need to go out to a meetup or maybe you just need to execute on your plan. I think there's a lot of different ways to do it. I like how they kind of did it where they began with the end in mind for themselves. Um, I would say don't look to other people for how you want to live your life. Make your own damn plan. All right. If you want to reach out to them, I highly recommend you do. If you're looking to do some business with them or maybe just to say thank you for sharing on the podcast, you can reach out to Brad. You can email him B-R-A-D-T-A-C-I-A at gmail.com. This is all going to be on the show notes. You don't have to write this down. 248-881-4570. You can reach out to Dave. D-A-V-I-D at SPPartners.org, 734-671-5767. And you can reach Mark. I'm going to include the Facebook link, and I'm going to include the Metro Detroit Real Estate Investors Group link, and you can meet him or contact him through one of those ways. Thank you, guys, for sharing your time today. I really appreciate it. Um, reach out and let these people know that you appreciate too. And if you enjoy this podcast, hook a brother up. Here's different ways you can support this podcast. First, easiest thing you could do is rate and review on iTunes. If you don't have any money, 
you'd be surprised how well that helps get the podcast out. That's the single greatest thing you could do with the podcast, believe it or not, even above sharing. Next thing you do is if you like the podcast, share it with others. You could hire me to list and sell your house for top dollar. I don't care if it's fucking ugly or pretty. I got a buyer's agent now. We're working with investors. We're working with retail buyers. You can reach out to us for that. Um, you can refer some sellers or buyers to me, or if you have a wholesale deal, we have buyers. Send it my way. RenegadeDetroit.com, meetup.com forward slash Renegade Detroit Investors, and Facebook.com forward slash Detroit Investment Club. And you can hit me up on my cell, 313-600-2133. And I do want to give a shout out to my boy, Joe Randall, Mortgages by JoeRandall.com. Thank you, Joe, for this beautiful podcast table. That's why I say that he bought us the podcast table so I could actually sit around something halfway nice <laughs> with my clients. So mortgages by Joe Randall, two L's.com and the link. A lot of us guys like them. You should at least reach out, check in, see what you think. A lot of investors use them. All right, folks, as I wrap up this podcast, I do want to take a moment to encourage you to take the steps you need to become financially independent. That's actually what we talked about this whole podcast. I know there are many distractions, mistakes, poisonous people, bad habits, things preventing you from sticking or starting your goals. Just pick one. Do it every day and don't give up. All right, folks, till the next podcast, till the next meeting, crush it.